what did I say? I said that they make me really feel a line like this, like a lyric like this. I don't know if I'm like really empowered and like, yes, you guys are amazing. Or if I'm like pissed, like, like that you made me like put my, we into glory, we will ride. That, yeah, that yeah, I'm yeah. like, it, you yep, know, I know what you mean. Yeah. That's, it's kind of like an really un, un machine head part there. Right. But very metal. It's, it's very power metal. Very, very. But it, it, they make it happen. Yeah. It, and it works. It works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so. Um, yeah. Uh, so did you catch the part from the making of that that's their kids singing this? Yes. Like, I, I didn't realize that. I just thought they had like. Maybe some... <laughs> You're like, I thought that's just how Dave sounded when he sang. I thought <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was Dave's singing voice. I mean, yeah, yeah. Him and he and Rob took a lot of lessons there uh, to be able to. So do you think that's cool or do you think it's lame? Episode 32, recorded July 9th, 2022. I probably won't leave this in the pod, but but yeah. So anyway, uh, but in case I do, Rich Boom Podcast, blah, blah, blah. So the beginning of this is us. If, in case you don't know, this is the beginning. And we, um, the first half hour, 45 minutes, hour or whatever, is us just shooting the shit. And basically having the conversation that we probably would normally just have on the phone. Yeah, if we just called one another. And so then after that, we get to the topic, which today is more machine head. Um, Not more machine head, but more, more yeah, machine more head. More machine head. Uh, so. Yeah, and to, to that point, you know, this is the beginning of the podcast, and later on, it will be, this is the end. <sighs> we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> <Ta-da>. <laughs> But yeah, I imagine we're going to be talking a little bit about band dynamics. Um, yeah, that'll come up <laughs> later. Oh man, I didn't read the damn thing that you sent me. I, I oh, think. about uh, I forgot to do that. The Rob was it an article or was it a paper? Or was it? it was a blog that Rob That's himself had written. He didn't write an academic paper about this. <laughs> you got the abstract. <laughs> exactly. Um, What's your thesis behind this? Well, I'll um, give you the, I'll give you the highlights later on it. Okay. Cool. Um, cool. Yeah, I forgot to go back. Anyway, but yeah, that's a, you know, I don't know, man, band dynamics in general are really, really tricky because it comes down to communication and it comes down to roles and it comes down to power and creative power in a situation like that is, is, can be a really weird thing. It can make people, I feel like do things that they wouldn't otherwise do. Yeah. Or maybe, or maybe it brings out a latent thing that is in there and this allows them to surface it (laughs) well and it it's hard to it's like because power tends to sort of aggregate around the person who is taking the most risk and is doing the most work whatever that means right but sometimes that shit gets a little weird because you might have a situation where someone is doing the most work booking. Like they're handling all that side of it, but they're not really involved, you know, and they're making the money work, but they're not really involved in this. They're not as involved in the songwriting, but they want to have like a bigger say in the songwriting because they're doing that other stuff. 
you know um and they feel that that it's that that they that they have that they understand what the band needs and what things you know and blah 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 and they want to have like the final say or you know and and like that's like one pos that's like one of the dozens of like configurations yeah you know but i i don't think there's ever a situation where in an ideal situation who has the most power um you know organically moves around from situation to situation that's the ideal um mm. where if you have to you have a decision to be made and someone feels really passionate about it being one way and another person doesn't feel as passionate about it being then you're like okay well whatever you think then and you just let it be that you know um but yeah because ideally you want to be able to trust the people you're being creative with right that if they right. have if they have a clearer view or a more if they have more conviction towards a certain direction than somebody else does you want to be able to trust them to think well i'm with they're in this band for a reason you know yeah i wanted them here for some reason and it's probably because they're talented and know what they're talking about in terms of what we're doing here right and so it, right and and sometimes it can hold on Sorry. It's not recording. Uh, no, it is. I uh, I just is, get freaked out. <laughs> is there a click track playing? <laughs> yeah. Can okay. you can you not hear me? Well, no, so I didn't set it to be continuous. So I like looked up and I didn't see any lines on yours. Oh. Because it didn't it wasn't reflecting what you had just done. It was reflecting the very beginning when i pressed recorded nothing was happening oh uh, i got you okay i see so, so yeah no it's fine um but yeah and so but almost i don't i don't think there's ever really a situation where the the power dynamics in a band are completely evenly divided up right like i don't and that doesn't have to be a bad thing but that's just that's just never how it is yeah i bet if i thought really hard i could maybe come across like an example but it's just so rare i feel like well i mean i feel like all severed was pretty close but but me and jeremy had more than more more like yeah creative more i don't i don't want to i don't know how to say it but like i mean i feel like you had just had more you both had more creative vision as as far as what you wanted to do. And I would generally defer on a lot of things because they were just good ideas. Mm -hmm. um, if I had ideas, I would bring them and, you know. Right. And, and, and we use them. It wasn't like, yeah. it, it wasn't like, um, there was, I don't know, man, it was a perfect storm because you had like, me and Jeremy being these really, really like strong, passionate personalities that had very strong ideas, right? But also had like a lot of respect for each other. Yes, but were also intimidated by each other too, and also cared a lot about what the other person thought. Also, um, mm. maybe that didn't go as I don't know how much that went from his direction, but it went from my direction a lot. Like, I cared if Jeremy didn't like something I came up with, it. it 
it it bothered me. Or if he didn't think it was good. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and like that 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 would hurt. <laughs> and, and and so um so it was yeah. really kind of a perfect we're talking about the band All Severed that we were in, by the way. Right. Um good good call. But that was a, a sort of a perfect combination. And and he and I had like a, a weird ten there was a weird tension there. You know what I mean? And like almost like a competition in a weird way. I don't I don't know. I don't know. It's it's difficult to describe, but it was I, I think a lot of those things just kind of went unsaid. Oh yeah. So it it was never it was never anything that anyone spelled out to to one another. It was just kind of here's the situation we find ourselves in. All right, we're going to go in this direction. We're going to keep going in this direction? Yeah. Okay. Cool. We're going to keep doing that? Yeah. Okay. And as long as it can happen, it's going to happen. Well, here, here's a great example. And this sums up me and Jeremy's like friendship and creative relationship is uh cuz we played football together up to a point. And it was our freshman years, and our coaches knew that we were friends. So they were like, Wooten, Barnes, bah! Right? And just, we were both offensive line. So it just had us, like, line up and just just go at each other trying to see who was going to win. Right? And in offensive line, it's all about, it's all about leverage. So if you can get underneath the person's center. So I swear, it got to the point to where he and I <laughs> were like, like doing push-ups or something. Like we were like in a three-point stance and then like going at each other. Like it was so hard, like inches off of the ground <laughs> and neither one of us would stop. Like it never, like the coaches stopped. Like they they, they were like, okay, all right, whatever, never mind. Like, like <laughs> the game's over at this point. Like, like y'all, y'all are going to hurt each other. Like it, it became clear that, that neither one of us was, we were ne- neither one of us were ever going to relent. Like we would have stood there and done that until our bodies literally gave out. The sun went down and came up again, <laughs> you know, moss growing on you. <laughs> yeah. Animals on you. Right. And, and that's, <laughs> and so that intensity carried forward you know, or aspects of that mm-hmm. aspects of that definitely you know right um and so you were like the perfect balance to all that yeah in a way because you were able to throw cold water on either one of us is mm. is kind of how it felt because we also really res- we all really really respected each other so even if i did something that that, that sounded dumb Y'all still respected what I was trying to do. And you would like, well, try this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, it was never like, what the fuck are you talking about? Idiot. Right. Let's do what I, we want to do or whatever. We were like, Hey, I see where you're going for it there. That's cool. Let's try to make it work into something that makes sense for us or whatever it was. Right. Or like you're saying, yif. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're saying, yif. <laughs> Um, I mean, that was just that was demonstrable fact. It was, <laughs> and I it was begr- there on record. <laughs> and I begrudgingly like grabbed the recorder and like went to the bedroom of my mom's house and re-recorded right. it all like right then and there. Yeah. Um, and I was like, okay, give me, give me fucking ten minutes, you know, <laughs> you know. Um, and so, but like something that I remember, like that kind of like sums up your vibe. Um with it was whenever I had played, I mean, now the song is called, um, again, 
or, or now 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 the EP is called Carry Me Home, but mm-hmm. at the time it ended up being called Euphemism because I had showed y'all the vocals that I had finished for the song again. And I and instead of saying if, I was saying yif. Yif I. Yif I. It was like a sliding lead up to it. Yif. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And like I remember Jeremy listened to it and he was like, That's great, but but yif. <laughs> yeah. uh, and my feelings were real hurt about it. I sucked it up and then it, you know. Um because that's the thing is Jeremy would always whatever criticism that either that Jeremy gave, he would always have an idea. Okay, this sucks, but try this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Which that's that's that makes it totally tolerable. It could be harsh, but it was like constructive. It yes, was, it was from yeah, a yeah, good yeah. place always. Right, 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 right. It was all it was all about making the music the best that it could possibly be. Right, right. Um, making it so that we, that we all hundred percent loved it. Right. Yeah, exactly. And and so I remember sh- you listening to it, and and it and it was like, okay, we need this, 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 and you're like, well, you know, those things, all things considered, you know, that, 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 that. But yeah, all things considered, you know, it's the best song I've ever heard. <laughs> I remember that, yeah. <laughs> and like that, 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 like, <laughs> that's a pretty good. <laughs> this, 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 and this. But yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's the best thing ever. <laughs> um, you know, and I think that that is the like. If you're going to be in a band, or, or, or I don't know, I, I think for it to work, you either have to have, there's two things that have to happen, or, or it has to be like one or the other, right? If you're creating, if you're collaborating creatively, you either need to be committed to a vision, and and while being crea- committed to that vision, you have people that you trust to do their role to complete that and they understand what that role is and where their role is and where their role isn't and all that. Um, Like if you're a really good solo artist and you know what you're trying to do and you know that this person produces the colors that you want in that, you know, right. Um, Or you're committed to the people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and you're committed to making something that all of you hundred percent love. And like, you know, whatever that may be, right? And and I think a lot of it's a lot of people. Oh man, they want both, right? Yeah, yeah. And you, and you, the only way you have both is if you is if your vision happens to align perfectly with those other guys, with the other people in the band's vision. Yeah. Which is rare. Yeah, exactly. Like you say, kind of a perfect storm is the only time that happens. Right. Um, and I think sometimes it's also as simple as like power corrupts on a certain level. Uh, not as dire as all that, but, you know, and if you want your, separately from that, if you want, you get so attached to your thing mm-hmm. that you want to happen yeah that it becomes the only way that it can happen right. and if anybody else doesn't want that then it's a problem right well, and there becomes no compromise right i mean well i in a way i did that with the buff wayne record you know because i got really yeah you know and because that drum sounds and things right yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I i had a vision for how i wanted the record to sound and didn't realize that there's a reason records don't sound that way <laughs> um and i didn't whoops 
and I oh, yeah. didn't. Um, and and the, the a thing that happens too is that if you are the, if you're the guy that makes shit happen, and you trust yourself and you're confident and then guess what shit gets done then you it's an art to know when to not when it's an art to learn when you need to trust other people mm-hmm. and not to like okay well i think this is wrong i don't think this is the right way to do it blah 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 blah. it has to be my way blah 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 because the last time i did this it worked out really well you know and then but eventually you do that and it it does not work out well at all. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, that becomes a problem of like, do you trust your gut or do you do the thing that maybe seems correct on some level? Yeah. Because like, if you're asking yourself like, well, I did this or not asking yourself, but you're like, well, I did it right before. So if I do it again, it's going to be right. If that's what leads to that, you know, I can see how that could happen. Maybe yeah. there's no right way to know. Yeah. There is no right way to know when you when you're supposed to throw up that middle finger and say like fuck you. No one else knows how this is supposed to sound except for me. I know that's not how you're supposed to mix this record, but it's what I want to hear. Mm. Right. Um yeah. sometimes sometimes that is the exact right thing to do. Um yeah. But sometimes so so I try to what I tried to learn was learn from it was you know, have people around you that know what is like technically correct, like technically acceptable. The best kind of correct. You know, like it's like, well, an album needs to be rich in these frequency air air in in these frequency. You know what I mean? Like it, th- these are, you know, da 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 da. And so, someone who knows the platonic ideal of what it is you're going for, so that you can work within those confines or around them. Right. And so like you're not so so that so they can tell you what rules you're breaking. Exactly. Basically. And if you decide yeah. to break some rules, that's fine. But But know like why you're doing it. Yeah, like I broke rules that I didn't know I was breaking on like the Buff Wayne record. Mm-hmm. And because I was such a hard headed, strong willed son of a bitch, no one else knew how to tell me. I mean, I remember very specifically like just not I I wanted to give input on some things but I just didn't know how to go about it because I didn't know anything about recording or or sound dynamics in terms of audio recording things like that so like we have Virgil here he knows some things but but he and this is a poor Virgil (laughs) yeah poor Virgil because I was basically taking out all of my like like I'm not gonna let you Reggie us (laughs) Um, <laughs> well, like that's what I was going to get to is like, he was the one who could do that, but then your hardheadedness went <laughs> towards him. Exactly. That's kind of what happened. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Instead yeah, yeah. of like uh, the rest of the band, I guess at that point, because well, nobody sure. else knew what the fuck they were doing. Right. 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 And so, you know, which is a problem in itself, really. I think. Yeah. Because we could have probably. Well, in we part, learned. like when I look back on it, like what it would have taken, honestly. For, for the Buff Wayne record specifically, would have been for for you to 
slap the shit out of me and say, like, you need to listen to the first Mastodon record. <laughs> <laughs> um, you hear that bass drum? You hear how it's not doesn't sound like Fear Factory? And you hear how this, re- this record sounds amazing? It's okay. It's okay. It'll be okay. Let it go. Yeah. Um, well, I guess I maybe I was going to do that, but then I looked over at your car and saw the 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 one that I burned for you under the seat, gathering <laughs> dust, and said, "Well, that's not going to work." I tried. Yeah. I tried. <laughs> so I fi- I finally listened to Remission in, in like, prep for r- right, right, because you know, well, but he just has a few tracks on there. I was like, I'm gonna listen to this whole fucking record. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I listened to it. With good intention, with like an open <laughs> mind and good intentions for the first time ever. Yeah, yeah. And it's fucking amazing. I'm really mad at my younger self for like not being able to get Mastodon when, when they were becoming a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really CJ's fault, and we're gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna talk all about it. <laughs> well, there will be time for that. Air those grievances. <laughs> well, these guys are the future of metal. <laughs> The fuck? <laughs> God. I was talking to somebody yesterday and we were like, she brought up like, when somebody, when somebody recommends me something strongly, my natural reaction is to go, no, fuck that. I'm not going to do it. I was like, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> I'm right there with you. It's just a thing. It's a, it's not the worst. Oh God. It's not the worst instinct, but it's so easy for it to either one get like, co- get, Get like corrupt and and perverted and go into just awful places, or to just to for you to just miss out on cool shit. Yeah, yeah. Because on the one hand, like now you've listened to Remission and you're into it, but like what what if you heard it, you know, twenty years ago? Well, and I did hear it twenty years ago, but with this mindset, right? But I was like stuck in my head of 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 like fuck the people that told me this was cool. Yeah. Um. Because they were like, this is the coolest. And I was like, well, what about the shit I already like? You're... <laughs> but mine's not cool. Like, you're te- you know what I mean? Like, it, like, when you frame, like, a new band to someone as like, this is better than anything you've ever heard. How are you, how are you going to, there's, yeah. n- there's no way that you're going to, because I'm, I'm, I'm listening to it and I am literally comparing it. Like, I'm comparing it to Slayer. I'm comparing it. To, to strapping young lad, I'm comparing it to Nile. I'm comparing it to open. I'm comparing it to everything I love at the moment. Yeah, and it ain't that. Yeah, but it's not supposed to be that. And that's not. That's probably not even what they mean. It's just that some people recommend things that way. They get so excited about it, or that's the only way they know how to reference it, or whatever. But you just get to a point where you understand that you have to take that sort of over the top enthusiasm as they like it. Yeah. Nothing more, nothing right, less. Right. And that's something that I was not able to do when I was 20. Uh, me neither. Yeah. <laughs> because at that point, I was like, well, pff, no, fuck that. That's garbage. Yep. Actually, yep. turns out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I should have just said is, oh, you like it? There's probably a reason for that. <laughs> right. There's probably some good stuff in there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because I, still see, I see, still see people do that where it's like, this is some of the best shit ever. This is so fucking good. I'm like, all right, maybe it's pretty good. And that's... You, can, you get to that point or you hate everything forever. <laughs> right, yeah. That's the more mature way to look at it of like, yeah, I bet, I bet there's something in there that I'll, that I'll enjoy. Yeah. And because um, I, I got that way, I got that way with eventually sort of because I, <laughs> I had to learn how to play so much fucking praise and worship music. 
Um, I got my my tolerance for for listening to. Um, I don't know how to say it. Um, <laughs> shitty music got really high. Uh, or anyway, I I got really good at being able to find something in a song that I would otherwise never listen to, that I was able to uh, latch onto and enjoy. Yeah. I got I got good at that. That's a that's a pretty good skill, but it's a it's a useful skill to have. Yeah, for sure. So I don't I don't think there's I don't think there's too much that you know. This isn't me trying to be like I listen to everything. No, no, no. I don't listen to everything, but I've heard a lot of stuff. <laughs> I mean, you don't listen to everything. You've just heard everything. No. <laughs> um. <sighs> But I, I can find something to enjoy about most music that comes my way. Um, some of it's more challenging for me to find something that I enjoy about it. But, um, yeah. you know, so. I, th- I think I can do the same thing. It, the problem that I always have with it is like, I, I'll listen to this thing that I'm not into normally. I'll see something cool on it, uh, in, in it, and I can point that out and acknowledge that but it doesn't make me like it sure that's always the thing for me is like i feel like this should make me have a greater appreciation maybe sometimes it does but right. i feel like by and large i think some of this is coming off the fucking jazz episode that i just listened to mm. where mm-hmm. i did this exact thing where i was like <laughs> i know that this is good but it's not for me you know that sort of thing well I, some, some i feel t- like i wish i had that extra i could go that extra mile or had that mm. extra gene or whatever it is well well sometimes it's just it's just a matter of um something not being derivative of your cultural language, your mat, your, or your sort of your musical derivative, whatever, to where like you just haven't been exposed. It, it's like, I'm sure that's part of it. Yeah. Cause it, all, all different styles of music are, are languages. And it's, if you were, if you've never heard a certain genre before, or any adjacent genres to it, it's going to be like watching a, it's going to be like watching a film in a different language without captions or without subtitles. And, and you know, like you're not going to you and then, and then being asked to comment on the plot, you know? Right. And it's like, well, I don't really know what happened. Yeah. Or to keep it in the realm of music, like listening to like, it was like me listening to, a Bollywood soundtrack mm. where it's just, you have no idea where to even begin to think about it critically right? or like think about appreciating it uh, past like the sounds that are coming out at you. Right. You know? Uh, yeah. Foreign music in general, for, foreign from America. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, that's how I felt when I first started listening to jazz. I didn't know what to fucking do with it. And I had to spend yeah. a lot of time immersed in it before I could start to even just subconsciously catch on to the language and the vibe a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. barely, you know, it took, it took so much fucking work, so much time. Right. And so, and I, and I've done every now and again. So, so it's like, I, 
I'm always like sort of like torn between these different ideas of like dig what you dig unapologetically, dig what you dig. Don't no one don't let anyone shame you for liking any music that you like. If anyone shames you for liking mu- any any music any music that you like, tell them to shove it up their ass. Like tell them to fuck right off. Yeah. Um. And <clears throat> and then also sort of this this like take a genre of music that you that you think that 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 you just haven't been exposed to that you don't understand and 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 force yourself to to listen to the top 10 records of that genre you know over the course of a month yeah you know um and you might find you there might be a certain record where you like get it right because i didn't fucking love you know, if you look at the albums that came out in the first few years of like the seventies, the rock albums, right? I didn't love all those equally. Right? But Black Sabbath was my shit. You know? Yeah. And you gotta you gotta find like the one that is yours, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that might not be the number one, it might be the ninth or the thirteenth or what you know, and you find your lane and then that 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 you're like, Oh, well then oh this this whole Sub this is has a whole subgenre attached to it that has other subgenres and then you've you know you know man and it just all tendrils out you know but you wouldn't know that if you didn't immerse yourself in something that you were unfamiliar with. That's just great advice, <laughs> mm-hmm. because even if you don't find something that is yours, you'll probably like discover something interesting or think about it a different way right. or think about it at all you know. Yeah, or at least at least have a. Uh, maybe a different awareness of this. The, the, oh, this is even though I don't understand this and it's not for me. Um, I have a better sense of the ways in which it is sophisticated, or the ways in which it is. That's um, what I mean. Yeah. You know the the things that it does that other music doesn't. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. And so, like that, you know. <laughs> The thing I said earlier about how I feel like I can find something valuable in most music that I hear, the reason that I intentionally try to do that is mostly because at a certain point when I saw musician friends of mine poo-pooing pop music Mm -hmm. or mainstream music or whatever, that just became the most distasteful thing. It became like the grossest nothing that I hated seeing more than, than, or or nothing. I don't know. It just, there was just something like so elitist about it and something that just felt so gross. (laughs) And so, you know, man, that's something that has really, um, that's really become like one of the, things that I think about the most these days. Hmm. I, I don't know if it's just as I got older or as I quote unquote wiser over over the years, whatever, more experience, gain more experience over the years. But like dismissing something out of hand right. is just, it's up there with like the worst things you can do. Definitely the most annoying to me. Yeah. Like, cause man, why wouldn't you be curious on some level? Or, or to automatically dismiss something because it's popular. Well, the, yeah, yeah. You know, for any reason, for any reason. Right. Like, but <clears throat> yeah, there are tons of there are tons of bad reasons to to ignore something or to shit on something. Right. Um, 
you find a good reason, then that's way more interesting to me than just saying this sucks because it's different or whatever. You know. Right, right, right. And and like and it's a tricky thing because, you know, I say that, and whenever I say to me, it's like. If I see someone who is just a metalhead and just loves going to metal shows and that's what they like, and they're like, yeah, man, <clears throat> fuck Nickelback. I'm like, you do you, man. Fine. Um, but when I see a musician, like someone who who like does gigs, <laughs> like someone who who puts out albums, someone who plays shows, mm-hmm. like not someone, not a hobbyist, right? You know, I mean, we're, we're, we're we'll define d- drawing the line between hobbies for whatever so, like a professional musician means, really. Yeah, like, like someone who 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 identifies as a musician, right? Someone who is <clears throat> wherever that line is, they've crossed it. Okay, right. don't know where to, I don't know where to say where that line is, but yeah. they've they've crossed the line from like yeah man. To fuck around a guitar in my bedroom a little bit to like I make records. <laughs> I have yes. I have a vision. I play guitar. I do it in front of people. Whatever. Yeah. When I see those people and they're like, fuck nickelback. I'm like, you <clears throat> You should know better. <laughs> yeah. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean maybe nickelback isn't the best example, but like whenever someone's like, fuck pop music. Well oh, fuck you. I I'll take issue with that strong of a reaction, period. Fair enough. Really. Fuck it. Like, if you're that level of, if you're, if it's within your sphere of, you know, um, your industry, you know. Your craft. Yeah, your arena of of whatever you're doing. uh, And you have that strong of a reaction. You can't see some, I don't know, man. Something about having that strong of a reaction. Negatively or positively really but negatively definitely yeah yeah and i mean in with nickelback specifically i get saying like fuck nickelback like 10 years ago whenever all of us had to listen to it against our will that's fine yeah you know that's fine fuck nickelback being overplayed on the radio right right, right, right. that right right but now now like now if you're like like <laughs> fuck nickelback you know it's like <clears throat> um or Nickelback's not even bad. Or like fuck Metallica. Or like fuck popular band X. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it just feels like you didn't really think about that. Yeah. It, it like it feels like you are trying to like you think that that other. What it sounds like to me is it thinks that like you think other people are flawed, like or like deeply flawed, like that they are dirty, that they are tainted. And you don't want to even like anything that they like because popular, because mainstream is is just commercial crap. And if it's even able to be marketed, then that means that it then it's in, inherently less valuable because it's been commodified. Yeah. And there's po- there's no way that there is any artistic, true artistic aesthetic meaning in there. There's, you know... And you don't want that influence. You don't want that influencing you, even. Yeah, that's like a whole step even further. That's that's a bizarre. Yeah, I believe it. I believe you. That's you just know. weird. And and like people to say that like dance music or pop music like it isn't art, um, and like just flat out like it's not art. <clears throat> you know. 
you don't know what art is then. And and it just it it's just like man. So now now it's like a litmus test. Like if I if I if I'm like hanging out with a musician or something like that, they they start around that show. I'm like cool. We're not gonna be friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you know or play music together probably not friends no yeah definitely not if we have to play music together i'm fine we'll, you know, <laughs> but i'll hate you the whole time because i will I, w- I won't betray the music you know um if we if we, if we ended up on the same gig because we both made the commitment to the gig then i'll do everything i can to 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 make the music sound great but but yeah man i don't, I don't want to fucking like hang with you and listen to you just talk about how everything sucks yeah no one wants um, to hear that I'll so, take that back. The person who is doing it wants to hear that. I think. So I guess it's the only person. So, but I, I don't know. And I mean, and again, I mean, probably it's just projection on my part because I remember when I was like that. And oh, that's definitely part of it because I also was like that to some extent. Yeah, and and I and I think that that version of myself was like really immature and really ignorant. Well, yeah, and that's why you look at it now and you're like, "Grow the fuck up, idiot!" Right. Like, <laughs> we're waiting up here. Right. I mean, I'm not you know alpha level maturity or anything, but. I can see where I was and go, that's way back there. Right. Like <laughs> on you, some level. Right. And like, it doesn't mean that, yeah, it, it's not, there's no better or worse there. It's just different. Right. So I'm, I'm always caught between those, like, like dig what you dig. Don't apologize for it, whatever. But then also like, don't shit on pop music, participate in the culture, asshole. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know? And I mean, both of the, like, I feel like both of those can kind of live, together to some extent yeah yeah just don't be don't be shitty about it right 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 right. so like have you seen the like the spotify iceberg like the icebergify thing um so it 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 like looks at your listening history and so like what's above the water right is the stuff that you listen to that that lots of other people listen to Okay. And then as you go down, it's like the stuff that you listen to that no one fucking listens to. That's pretty interesting. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I was, re- I thought I was really, I was really kind of, I thought Bob was pretty cool because it was pretty balanced. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it was like Kanye, <laughs> you know? Um, and then like all, the, and then like, you know, and then you go down like Rammstein and Machine Head and, you know, whatever, 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 whatever. And then you get down to the bottom, it's like Necronomicon and, you know, obscure Canadian black metal bands and whatever. Right. Um, I guess the bummer about that is that it's got to be skewed to some extent just by like what people, hmm. I guess maybe everyone uses Spotify at this point, really. It's probably pretty damn ubiquitous well it's it's an interesting n- nonetheless it's it's gonna it's an int, it's interesting because i'm picturing like old jazz heads not using spotify but maybe they do i don't know man i cannot honestly i think if you're a jazz fan i think that spotify or a similar service is your this is your bane is your best fucking friend Oh, okay. So, you, okay. Because if you have access to that, then you can go on, you can go down, down these rabbit holes that are just not fucking possible otherwise. Mm. Because you can be like, oh, well, fuck, man. Let, well, let me listen to all the records that Tony played on in 1967. And I'm going to do that. I'm, I'm going to do that this afternoon. I got some time, you know? Uh, That's a good point. 
And so you're, because there's just so, you know, whereas with, you know, because, because, because jazz has that, just that, all that cross pollination between artists, Mm -hmm. you know, and players and, and, and people were so prolific or like putting out so many albums so, so fast and stuff like that. It's so, it would cost thousands, thousands of dollars. And some of these things are out of print. Some you can't fucking find. You know, right? Fucking afternoon, just spend an afternoon. Like, oh, I'm gonna listen to the complete Miles Davis quintet at the plug nickel. You know, <laughs> and there it is. That's a good point. And so, no, man, I. Okay, so it's probably it's probably pretty accurate then. There, there yeah. are probably n- very few niches that are left out of that equation. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's not going to be complete, but in any way, no, but it, no. but it, it's fun. It's fun. It's fun. Like, like, like in mine, like Eminem was like close to the top, and it's like, well, I don't listen to a lot of Eminem, but I was listening to a little bit recently, like a few songs here and there, just because of like what we were talking about with like the new metal stuff a few episodes ago. Yeah, yeah. You know, but I don't know. That I even listen to like a complete song. But it ended up in the pile, and it and Eminem is a thing that everyone votes. That like so many fucking people do. So it's like since yeah. I like poked that, it ended up in there, you know. Right, right, so, right. That's interesting. I'll have to go check that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, what inspired me to do it was I saw like an elitist musician friend like post his, and it was like all stuff under, and like none of the bands <laughs> that I recognize, I didn't recognize like a single thing, and he was like proud of that. He's like, stay away from that mainstream garbage, blah 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 blah, and I was like. <clears throat> You, sir, can get fucked. Let me go see what mine is. And I was like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> My iceberg could destroy many more ships than yours. I participate in the culture. Ha, 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 ha. Oh, um, boy. So. It might, it might be right here. This is Karimbo content. Yes. Just insert a slide of this. Yeah. Just bring it down over the frame there. Oh, is this this is how they render it out? This is this looks like they fucking did this in paint. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, y'all. Um, um, let's see. What is the lowest thing that I know? Well, kettles in there, but that, I put that there. I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's that you. Doesn't count. I mean, origin. I guess I know suffocation. Okay. I've I've exposed you to that. So it's kind of that whole third from the bottom tier. I I know most all of that right Nile suffocation origin I don't know razier you do I've played them for you when we when we were hanging the panels in here actually oh okay good and uh emperor you go up fear factory Devin Townsend you know morbid angel this is the guy who uh Carlos Rafael Rivera he did the um Queen's Gambit oh score so I listen to that a lot cool you know anyway it's fun it's fun. Interesting. Nas. I would not expect Miles Davis or Machine Head to be below the waterline. Oh, yeah, I guess so. I'm mad that Megadeth is in there because I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't really – I listen to Euthanasia occasionally and, and, and cryptic writings. I'm kind of mad. Well, what that means is that enough people also say that exact same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Puts him up there. Oh man, Sabaton, Miles, Ghost. Yeah, okay. So that checks out Rammstein higher than I would expect. Yeah. Well, they're only on Spotify. Hmm. I don't know that that really matters in this data, but probably doesn't. But it, you know, I don't know. It, it, it's a. It's a. Fun oh, this is going through a separate site. Also, it looks like. 
icebergify.com. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. But they but they access they use Spotify data. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. But yeah, it's a fun it's a fun idea, you know. Fuck yeah. fuck elitism. That's a <laughs> yeah. That's a fun idea. <laughs> That's an interesting thing to go check out. So, but uh, speaking of like elitism and and like but like all the people so like Stranger Things came out and like lots of people were like gatekeeping master puppets being used in it. Oh, did it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it, it shows up in a sequence, and and a lot of a lot of people that like weren't Metallica fans were like getting excited about it because like this is cool, so they wanted to go check it out. And then a lot of Metallica fans were being douchey about it, and it was really cool because like Metallica put out a tweet of of some shit of like, doesn't matter if you've been here for forty minutes or forty years, all all everyone's welcome. We're we're happy to have everyone here, you know. Cool. And I, I mean. I'm sure that they're like, <clears throat> yeah, because all money is good. Um, we don't care yeah. where it comes from. But yeah. I don't know. It, it's better than being shitty about it, ex- at ex- least. Yeah, exactly. And so, but. I, I did actually see a still from that where some dude has like a Kirk Hammett looking guitar and he's like playing a thing and something like that. It's it it's a great sequence. Cool. Um, but that reminds me that I came across, for some reason, a uh, – footage of a show that Metallica played in 1989 on their Justice for All tour for okay. whatever reason it was like a two and a half hour the, the is thing it, that is it in Seattle? <laughs> no I don't know where it was okay. but uh, back even back then it was like two and a half hours of them going like full throttle through the stuff that they were playing it's like they started out with Blackened and it's like 1.25 times as fast as it yeah. should be yeah 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 that song uh huh wild the energy that they have at that point in time is just insanity dude me and jeremy because i had the the live shit binge and purge that was from around the same time right well it had there were there were three concerts on there there was a cd three cd one from mexico city on the black album tour and then they had a double vhs from the uh black album tour that was in san diego and then they had uh, single VHS from Seattle on the Injustice for All tour. Okay. And so, um, and yeah, man, we worshipped those videos. <laughs> like we would just watch them over, over, and over, yeah, 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 over again. Um, I mean, with good reason. That shit was wild. Uh, it was impressive. It's like, I mean, look, I don't, I don't see a lot of bands these days, especially bands that I don't listen to as you might expect uh but i've you rarely see bands like go that hard and then for that long yeah well and and i guess like the thing is too is that the market's really fucking saturated that there's not room for there's not room for a band of angry 25 year olds to go out and just play their music in front of 15,000 people with just amps for two hours. Yeah. I mean that in itself isn't really a thing that happens in that way anymore, I guess. I mean, there are people that age making music for lots of people or whatever, but it's not, it's not like that. It's not like guitars, bass and drums and fucking going at it for, two hours yeah you know. it, it just kind of struck me as one of those times when 
that's something that I've always had with me. Mm. That that music, I've always listened to that music, mm-hmm. basically. But it's one of those times where I can now look back, thirty years, thirty almost thirty five years into the past, and be like, man, there is a like this is a very clear reason why this was so huge. Oh yeah, because it's one of those things you just take for granted you know, for sure, and you just know it but. for sure. And I mean, and the thing is, is like it might not be special in the same way, but when Metallica plays live, it's still pretty fucking special. Yeah. Because when I saw them play at fucking NRG a few years ago. They still play for that long. I felt like I was a kid. It seriously made me feel like I was a kid again. Cool. Like, it made me dream the same dreams. <laughs> like, that that I dreamed when I was a kid. It was like, I want to do that when I grow up. I was like 35 when I fucking saw, saw, that, saw them do that. And I was One like, day. that's what I want to do when I grow up. You know? And that's... <clears throat> Because the thing that really blew me away about them is that, like, <clears throat> it's just them playing. <laughs> like, I've been a part of bands that are playing in front of, like, 150 people in a fucking church in a box, like, playing in a goddamn elementary school where you have to set up all the gear the morning of. Right. And we're playing with a click track and backing tracks because, like, you don't trust these musicians enough to, like, get through. Like, we're not – there's not enough – you know, whatever reason. Not not that – just not not that we're not good enough, right, that it's like they're going to fuck up this experience for the audience. We have to have – we have to have a click track. We have to have a click track with guides. Chorus, two, three, four. Mm. Like, shit like that. Wow, okay. You know? Um, the basis isn't very strong, so in Ableton, we're going to bring up the bass tracks, the pre-recorded bass tracks, wacky shit. Oh. And we're playing for like fucking a hundred people <laughs> in a goddamn elementary school on a Sunday. Right. You know what I mean? And then here's Metallica, fucking just no net <laughs> in front of a goddamn stadium. Yeah. I don't even know how many people, I have no concept of how many fucking people were there. And they're just like, they're just jamming. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the way that they play these days, and probably, I guess, have for a while at this point, is their stage is, like, in the middle of the room, and well, everyone's around them. It wasn't at the stadium show. Oh, that time, you it wasn't still. Okay. But, but yeah, when they play arenas, that's what they do. Yeah, that's what they do, especially now. Like, all the concert footage you see is like that. But that just makes me think, like, you know, if you're on a stage that is a traditional stage, you can, like, turn around away from the audience. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas now, you, everywhere you turn, there's more Dude, people. Dude, that would make me, as a drummer, that would make me so... I'm like, everyone's looking at my butt crack. <laughs> and they uh, be, yeah. uh, uh, all, all day. Uh, uh. You just can't have a butt crack at that point. Yeah. You gotta do something about Get that. rid of it. Get rid or of it. pull your pants further down. So yeah, that, you gotta yeah. embrace it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like, I you mean, wanna look at that? Look at this. That that I mean, that's what Lars did, I guess, back in the eighties. Was it's kind know. of what he did on that video now that I think about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Spandex. Yes. Butt crack spandex. <laughs> so But uh did you have something about Kate Bush or something? Yeah, I was gonna. Mention? I was gonna say. Uh, you mentioned Stranger Things, and so I guess like a month or so. I don't know when this really came out, and people started going on about it a lot. Yeah. So the date is um, July 9th. And yes. So today. So the Stranger Things um, season four. Uh, the they they released it in two volumes. Okay. And the second volume dropped about a week ago on July 1st. And then the first volume was about a, a month before that. Um, okay. So end of May, beginning of June, somewhere in there. And the, the Kate Bush that, sequence that sort of 
went viral or whatever was in that first volume. It was in the first volume. Okay, gotcha. So it's been it's been happening for like a month or so, uh-huh. roughly. And so there's a sequence in Stranger Things where they use um, Kate Bush's running up that hill to great effect. From, oh yeah. From what from what I can tell, not knowing, not having kept up with the show. Right. Um, it's a cool sequence, and that song is really fucking good. Um, so the the weird part about it for me was it was one of those things where uh, now I'm just get to feel like a fucking mega hipster because like two months or so before that happened, I forget if it was through YouTube recommendation or or I somehow got recommended on YouTube mm-hmm. um, her video for uh, Wuthering Heights. Oh, okay. Which was like her first single back in 79 or 78, I think. Okay. Um, and I don't know what made me like click on it and watch it because I'm not just clicking on every recommendation that I come across, but something about it. I was like, Kate Bush is one of those names in music that I've always heard right. and never really knew much about. Sure. And it turns out there's a pretty good reason for that because a lot of her stuff just didn't come over here for a while and wasn't popular oh. here for a while. Uh, like she had number one hits in every country but here, with Wuthering Heights, like back in you know, but it turns out she was like, uh, whether intentionally or not, I think usually intentionally, like pretty substantially um, influential to like a lot of other artists over the years. Mm-hmm. People like I think Bjork and like Tori Amos, like pretty pretty inspired. Mm-hmm. I'm sure tons of other people as well. The list probably goes on. Have you come across the clip of Big Boy talking about Kate Bush? Yeah, I did. All right. And that's great. Because <laughs> that was some cool shit. Yeah. And he's, he's listening to this song, I think, right? He's, he's listening to Running Up the Hill, isn't he? Um, I I think it is. It was an older clip. And it was... In a, and it it's, was like, it's like a, some magazine interviewing him, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, yeah. And he just like men- mentions Kate Bush like out of the fucking blue. Well, okay, so the, the clip I saw was like, here's the part of this interview where he talks about this song, and they play it, and he responds to it. Mm, okay, maybe, maybe I'm not, my, my my wires might be crossed. It, there, I'm sure he's done it multiple times. I'm just, <laughs> I just remember, like, it, it was, like, recommended in, in my feed, and I clicked on yeah. it, and it's, like, big boy gushing about how important Kate Bush is to him, and, like, how much he fucking loves that music. Yeah. Um, I was like, goddamn. Yeah. Big boy's on that good, wow. <laughs> big know? boy's on that big good shit. So anyway, I got recommended Weathering Heights, and I was like, I'm just going to watch this. And I watched it, and I was like, okay, that seems pretty cool. I can see why that was probably pretty popular, maybe. And then for the next, like, two weeks, that song was just in my head, and it wouldn't leave. <laughs> nice. And then I kind of became obsessed with that video and that song. It, it is such a weird song and a weird – it's a weird video uh, ostensibly. So there are two versions of the video. One is – I think the British version is the one I watched, which mm-hmm. is, like, just her in a smoky black room – dancing in this sort of like satin dress to the song and like making these huge big eyes and faces at the camera it's bizarre but really uh was it like it's really compelling somehow yeah okay uh but then the song itself i don't even know how to describe it really like it's it's called weathering heights because it's about the Emily, Emily Bronte story, Wuthering Heights. Uh-huh. Emily or Charlotte? I forget. I don't know. I can't remember. I think it's Emily Bronte, um, which is like British countryside romance, supernatural shit. Okay. But in the story of the song, Kate Bush is playing the character of Kathy, and she comes to the window of Heathcliff, who is like the guy that she loved in life, but 
ended up she died and uh, she's come back to haunt him and her, her the chorus of the song is her begging him to let him in the window let her in the window mm. um it's a weird setup for a song in the first place right but then the the uh structure of the song and the chord choice and the progression and the melody are just so not a pop song so mm. like the idea that this song became as huge as it was is weird in its own right but then you listen to it and it's like man this is really catchy and really strangely compelling right it's right. just a really cool song like catchy almost despite itself kind of despite itself like it does and... weird things so i listened to an episode of a podcast where a dude breaks down songs that he really likes and he did this one hmm. uh and the way that he described how the melody works in the chorus was like imagine two like gears and here's the upper melody and here's the lower melody and you, it like goes back and forth between them a few times and back and mm. around and then you listen to it and you're like oh that is kind of what it does it has this weird clockwork effect to the the recursion or not recursion but the the repetition uh it's just an interesting way to look at it but uh man cool song that's awesome yeah i, I i'm i'm very ignorant uh, of of her output and and of course like i mean i had heard that song you know, before, mm -hmm. and and I was like, oh yeah, oh yeah, that's that's a cool song. Yeah, and um, um, more. <clears throat> I don't think I'm gonna spoil. I'm I'm not. No, no spoilers here, um, but the way that the song is used. Oh, and this is running up that hill. This is a different song. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Different song. Yeah. Right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, sorry, Kate. Sorry. In the in the context of the show, it's this idea that. Um, you know, I mean, it's a tiny bit of a spoiler, but not really. Um, it's just that m music can pull you back. Like yeah. music can be a way to ground you, to connect you, um, you know, f from n negative thing X. From whatever it is that is bothering you or affecting you. Right. That's a, that's, I don't think it's a spoiler. It's a pretty broad... Yeah, I'm I'm trying to thing. say it in a really like abstract way. Yeah, but so I think was, that covers what is happening there. It does, so. it does, and I more than anything, I just I loved that that was a motif that they were using and that they elaborated on it and that they like executed it perfectly because I, I just I related to to this. You know, to like, okay, here's a person who puts on their headphones and and this is the song that like keeps them keeps them here. Yeah. You know? Uh that they can like like they can grab onto this song when there's nothing else for them to grab onto. And that they somehow, because the characters in the show are so amazing and they write them so well, that they somehow knew, well, what would be the perfect song? Of course, this character would love Kate Bush, <laughs> you know, and and it's so and it's so fascinating. And there's so many like layers because because Stranger Things is such a pop culture phenomenon that is simultaneously constantly treading in pop culture itself. Mm -hmm. So, but it is it 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 influences the things that it is of, right? Because now. Like, like if, if you were to sort of try to have the same kind of m misfit character, like, like if that misfit character existed in, in, in 
2022, they couldn't possibly listen to Kate Bush because everyone fucking knows that song now <laughs> because like, of the show. Yeah, that that song went to number one again on the charts. And right. So you interviewed with Kate Bush the other day, and she's like, "Oh, it's really lovely. I really love this show. I'm I've been watching it the whole time. I'm glad that it happened. <laughs> like, oh, that's good." How wonderful. Cool, cool, cool. You know, but that, that like sort of like meta aspect of it, I, I find that kind of kind of interesting. Yeah, that, I hadn't thought about that. Because like up till that show, like Kate Bush is this like hip fucking underground thing that if you know, then you know. Yeah. And so, of course, that would be the thing that this character is is into. But now we, we've ruined Kate Bush for Max. <laughs> <laughs> Running Up That Hill cannot be anyone's uh, savior song going for well, nope. I don't know nope it's off the table <laughs> and that's actually a uh, theme that we'll come back around to in another song we're going to talk about <laughs> something being off the table <laughs> maybe <laughs> no, I'm going to music my savior oh yeah sure 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 <laughs> we'll get there eventually yeah. <laughs> <Is> there... <laughs> Rob write some table lyrics I don't know I'm, I'm like man there was a lot of there's there's a lot. Some of these songs were long, and yeah. there was a lot of them. So some of these songs maybe too long. Maybe I missed maybe I missed some things. <laughs> All right, that's a good segue. Well, no, actually, there's one more thing I want to talk oh, about. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, Do you boo? I guess we talked about Mastodon earlier for for just a hot second, but I had a revelation the other day. So on, I think the uh, I think it was one of the death metal podcasts, or maybe the first jazz podcast. You you talked about. Um, you had a revelation that the drums on uh, October Rust were programmed. programmed. And yeah. so that, so what that is is like just something you had listened to for a very long time that you yeah. had a revelation about. Right. You just didn't realize it was that. Yeah. So I had a revelation the other, the other day in a similar vein. Um, I was listening to the same podcast that I mentioned where the dude talks about a single song. Uh-huh. And he was listening to Blood and Thunder. The Mast- okay. Mastodon song from Leviathan. Um, and this is not a person who is like a fan of Mastodon. He generally goes over like pop songs or like light classic rock sort of things. Okay. Uh, but he wanted to do something a little bit harder and he like had heard the song, but he wasn't a fan of Mastodon. So he didn't know everybody's name in Mastodon. So he's like listing the band members like in the intro to the show. So he's like, yeah, we got Bill Kelly here. We got, uh, Troy, uh, fuck whatever. Sanders. Sanders. Thank you. Uh, you know, Brent Hines, Brent Hines and Bron Daler. And, and then on, and then he says like on the lead vocals or something like that, we have Neil Fallon from clutch. And I was like, wait, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> number, number one, I know that he, like, I know that's Troy singing this song. Right. What do you mean? And so I went to look at the credits for the song and that's fucking Neil Fallon on the bridge. When, oh. when, I don't know how well you know that song. I don't. Off the, so there's a, it's like the story of, it's like a loose interpretation of Moby Dick, like Captain Ahab okay, okay. is what the song is about. And so you go through the chorus, the, the verse, the chorus, the verse, and then you get to a bridge uh, and it goes into like a slightly different key and you've got like this bellowing, like split your lungs with blood and thunder. And it's this whole like big thing. And at this point in the song, basically like the whale has come up and they're doing battle. Okay. Um, Afterwards, it goes back down. It's a really cool effect that I hadn't thought about, but this guy pointed it out. I was like, that's a good point. Uh, but that part of the song is Neil fucking Fallon of Clutch, who both bands I've been huge fans of for right. 20 years now. Oh, that's great. And just never knew. But like, if you, 
I've always thought that I always kind of thought that part sounded slightly different. I was like, yeah. oh, Troy's like taking on a different pitch here, Tra- taking on a slightly <laughs> different tone. Channeling Neil Vellon yeah. here. But bit. if I listen to it as that, it's, it sounds like early clutch when he would yell shit like that. Right. Oh, it's so cool. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. And then I, I, uh, I guess I just looked for a performance of it. And there was one in Houston where Neil Fallon is there and he sings it with him from like a couple of years ago. Oh, my God. 2015, I think. God damn it. I guess they were on tour together or something. Right, 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 but right. Weird. That's, yeah, because that's like two of like your bands. Yeah, I fucking love those you bands. You know, there's a um, – <clears throat> this isn't – I've had examples of that, but there's one um, – <clears throat> I'm drawing a blank on, on which one it is, but they're um, – on the first suffocation record, Effigy of the Forgotten, one of the tracks on there, maybe Jesus Wept? Maybe? Do, 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 do. Fuck off. Um okay. <laughs> there is a but but George uh Corpse Grinder Fisher, like the guy <laughs> <laughs> the guy who would go on to be the singer in in, in Cannibal Corpse. Old George Corpse Grinder. Oh Corpse Grinder. Uh, old um, Corpsey they call him. Corpse but he he like he like guests on the on the record. Oh, you know cool. what I mean? Yeah, 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 stuff yeah. like that. And there's I don't know, there's there's all sorts of it's not quite the same thing because I didn't like I didn't have a relationship with that record for a long time before knowing that. Right. Um but I'm trying to I'm trying to think if there's a there's but because I know that something like that has fucking happened. Of, right. Of like, wait, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know? Or like we Yeah. yeah. Like like there's this typo negative record called October Rust that um <laughs> <laughs> that I thought Johnny Kelly played drums on, but actually Peter still programmed. Them. Oh so. man, that reminded me of that. But man, yeah, cool revelation. Yeah, I, I want, I want, I don't know the best way to do it, but I do want to do, I do want to dig into Mastodon because yeah. I think that would be fun because it's, it's a band that I've never. I own one Mastodon record, which is Crack the Sky, and mm-hmm. um, and even that record that I really, I really like it, but I still don't feel like I've given it its due diligence i don't i don't, I definitely haven't given that band the the time that it deserves yeah i mean i think we kind of hit on earlier as to part of why <laughs> so yeah 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 but perhaps but, understandable in some but way. i'm still interested i'm interested in and like i don't know the best way to do that <laughs> force feed <Yeah. laughs> just plunger over your mouth just you get know? in there yeah i don't know i don't think about that but but i would like to do that yes absolutely so but okay. yeah, anyway, go listen to listen to Blood and Thunder and think about think about Neil Fallon Neil. singing that bridge. Uh, go listen to Kate Bush. Yeah, but yeah, that that led me to listen to a bunch of her other tracks as well. Mm. Uh, well before the Stranger Things happened, so when when that blew up, I was like, "Here's one of those things where I was doing a thing and it blew up." And that's that happens sometimes. <laughs> You're like, "I'm so cool. I'm so fucking cool." I was so hip for a minute there. Well, I mean, it makes sense though because you were into synthwave before Stranger Things. So true. See. I'm just beating him to the punches. Had yeah. I had the show, I had I been a producer, and you know, yeah, I think it just means that you would be friends with the Duffer Brothers. I think Probably. that's really <laughs> this is this is all this really means. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was written. So, uh, so moted be. All right, episode starting. Uh, so today <sighs> we're gonna continue, and then we're going we're gonna we're gonna wrap up. This is going to be the last Machine Head episode for a while. Yeah. Um, so. And we're going to dig into uh, Unto the Locust and Bloodstone and Diamonds 
Um, and then I'll, I have like a quick, like little 10 minute quick, quick thing I'll say about catharsis, <clears throat> um, at the end, but we're not really going to dig into catharsis. We're going to save that. Um, I, I had said that I was going to give it a listen and I did not give it a listen. Cool. We're going to save that. Um, because machine head has a new record coming out in a few months and we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about the singles and catharsis and the new record. We're going to do that all together in one episode in a few months. Yeah. That's a good way to do that. I think so rather than try to shoehorn it in here. Right. <clears throat> um, so yeah. So, so locust and, and bloodstone. And you've got a few other things here as well. Oh, just live records. Yeah. Um, so let me get my notes here. Do 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 Oh, this is cool. Um, okay, so I'm gonna give like kind of a brief outline of sort of what I think would be a good flow on this. Okay. So first I think we should talk about locust, like the music. Okay. And whatnot. Um, and then I want to speculate on two questions. I have a lot to say about this speculation here, which is why is the locust so short compared to the albums that are that it's that it's surrounded by? It's the shortest record they've ever made. Oh, okay, yes. Okay, like in length. Yeah. Not talking about like a tiny locust. <laughs> That's a pretty big locust on the front there, <laughs> which we'll get to that too. But I found this dumb interview clip where they talked about like not only did Machine Head up the ante on their artwork. <laughs> Wait, whoa, whoa! whoa. <laughs> yeah, Who was conducting was, this interview, and what? How drunk were they at the time? Yeah, I was like, "This is, this is fine. This is their worst artwork by a lot." But it's not better than the <laughs> fucking blackening. This is bad artwork. <laughs> um, and so, but yeah, so I want to talk about like why? Why is this record short? And I have a lot of speculation as to wild speculation as to why that may be. Okay. Um, and why did Adam ultimately leave the band? Okay, I want to speculate on those two things. Then I want to talk about Bloodstone and then how Adam's departure might have affected catharsis and my catharsis quick takes. <laughs> so that's my... That's your overview. My overview. Um, okay. So yeah, onto the Locust. <clears throat> so general impressions on Unto the Locust. So something that I said, I think after we were done recording the last one, uh, which was the black and or which was through the ashes of empires and the blackening, mm -hmm. was that, or maybe I said it on the show, I forget, but well, I said two things. I said that these days, usually when I when I want Machine Head, I usually go to uh, Burn My Eyes. And Under the Locust. Those are kind of the two albums that I usually go to. Right. Whereas you had the exact inverse opinion, which was you go to the Blackening and not quite. No, not quite. Which very, which is very fascinating because I, I think that like what we can both agree on is that like Blackening is like a North Star, like perfect album. Yeah. But I, you know, and then like beyond that, you go to Burn My Eyes and Locust, and I go to The More Things Change and Ashes. That's right. Sorry. Yeah. Yes. Correct. That is that is absolutely correct, um, and I think my my takeaway last time or like my my hot take after we talked for like fucking four hours about Machine Head, 
was that <laughs> my brain was kind of fried. I was like, I, in my mind, right off the bat, Unto the Locust is is like neck and neck with the blackening as far as like what I think is great machine head. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you still feel that? I think I do. That's cool. Yeah, I think I, I think I do. Uh, I still think that blackening edges it out, like sort of objectively. <laughs> yeah. There's uh, but it, it it's like a nipping at its heels. The way that I said it, and the way that I thought about it is like the things that I, because I I do not think, <clears throat> I do not think that Locus is as good as the blackening, um, but. I think that that's mostly due to my own preferences, mm-hmm. and I and I and I and I and it is it is preferences. I don't think it is things that are like sort of objectively, you know, they're not objective criticisms. They're just like, well, I prefer things this way instead of that way, and you know, and this one does it that way, and I don't I don't prefer it quite that. I don't prefer quite that. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I mean, in my opinion, this is, this is, this is like, has some of the best like metal songs ever written <laughs> on it. Um, no, you're pulling a me now with, with, with again. <laughs> uh, I like it. I mean, I, I do. I, I, I do. Like I, um, it's an, it's an incredible album. The only strike you, the only strike you could ever put against this album is that it isn't the blackening. <laughs> Fair. Like the only like you know what I mean, and so but when you think about like how the fuck are you gonna follow up metal album of the decade? I don't, or any album of the decade. This is this has got to be the best. How how can you do it better? Right, and I think that that's gonna extend into this one later too. Sure. Um. Yeah, like because it's it's it, it does all the it does almost all the things it does a lot of the things the blackening does. You like how I just consistently walk that back. But you're right. Exactly. But it is different. Yes, it is very different. They 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 use that as a baseline, like they found perfection, and then they said, "How are we going to do something different?" And they they did some things differently. Right, right, right. It wasn't like a complete turn, but there's definitely new. There's definitely different influences. You know, because Rob took classical guitar lessons, took vocal lessons, you know, during the layoff or whatever, you know, and you see that like a Sonata and C sharp and shit like that. And yeah. there's a big neoclassical vibe or whatever. Which I'm way into. Which is like totally, like it totally makes sense that this is like your machine head record because <laughs> you're into all that classical shit. You I, know? I love that vibe and the way that they apply it to machine head songs. Oh, it's so it's great. So well done. It's so great. Cause it still has all the brute, all the like intensity and all that sort of stuff. But I'm really attracted to like the personal intense shit. So ashes of empires is like, that's more, that's, that's more my thing. That's what know? lives on that album. <laughs> right. Right, <laughs> yes. right, right. And then blackening is like the somehow just the right in between. Um, yeah. Uh, but so yeah, like to me, like the songwriting on this is incredible, right? E- and the thing I love about it too is like each song on this record is its own fucking event. It really is. There's n- there's no two songs that really come close to doing the same things. Yeah, like and and that is really really cool. It like it's almost <clears throat> to the point where 
makes it sound less like an album because like the blackening sounds like everything on there is is in the same general area whereas some of these things sound more disparate than they might otherwise you know that's a good point i hadn't thought about like that i I don't know that it's a bad thing necessarily but yeah it's different yeah 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 this this does there is there yes i agree with that because it does feel like a cool like a collection of really of seven amazing songs yeah but it doesn't feel as much like an album the way that blackening does uh, yeah that's you exactly know right because like blackening like you take like you take a song like slanderous and you put it by itself and you're like that's fine but you put it in the context of that album you're like this is fucking amazing <laughs> right you know right or fail or even farewell to arms you know uh stuff like that and and all of these songs like you could have i i don't think there's any other fucking album that you that that you can say this about, I think more so than any fucking album that maybe I've ever heard. You could just hit shuffle on these fucking tracks and any order that it fell in. And I think the album would still be great. You you might be right. Yeah. And it's interesting that you say that exact thing because you, you watched the little making of thing, right? That I sent you. I did. I did. Was it, I, But I might miss the thing you're talking about. Well, so at some point they showed like the whiteboard of all the track lists. Okay. The tracks that they had. Yeah. And I think they had like maybe 12 or 14 tracks on there. Okay. So a lot of stuff got cut because there were only seven tracks on this album. Um, I guess more if you have the special edition uh, covers and stuff. But uh, some of the things were named the same as they are on the album. Some of the things they had different names on them, I think. And some of the stuff got cut. Uh, but everything was in a wildly different order. Mm. Nothing was in this order. Like, I Am Hell was second to last. Sure. Like, everything was all in different places. Yeah. So, it, I, I think that makes sense. It's a thing that I think makes this record really special. Um, and, and the thing that I do, like, like <clears throat> it is on the shorter side. It's the shortest album that Machine Head has ever done. Yeah. Is it, I don't, is it by a lot? Not by a lot. It's like 48 minutes or something, right? It's not by a lot, a lot. I wrote it all down. Hold on. Um, so Burn My Eyes is 55 minutes. Oh, nice. The More Things Change is 52. Burning Red is 50. Supercharger is 56 and a half. But all of those are like fucking groove and new metal records. You don't expect those to be super long. Right. Anyway, right? <clears throat> uh, Ashes of Empires is, is an hour. Blackening is an hour. This is 48. Yeah. You know. And then Bloodstone is like 71 minutes. Yes. We'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> um so yeah, so it's like their shortest record, but I think there's it does you do finish it wanting more and you're like go again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and like that's real you either want to in my opinion, you either want an album, a metal album to leave you know, to end a little too soon or to or to just leave you like feeling pummeled and changed as a person. Yeah. Like that was an unforgettable experience. You want to feel tired after that one. <laughs> yeah. Like, whoa, I'll never forget that. Yeah. But you it's know? also nice when you get something like this where like you can you feel like you want to go back in. Right. And I feel like it For needs sure. to be either one of those. It has to it has to be either one of those. You don't you don't with the the cardinal sin, you don't want it to feel boring. Yes. And and this album is definitely never that. Absolutely not. Yeah, this album is usually over before I know it. 
Yes. Whereas you, what you don't want is to be like, click back over to the track list and be like, how far are we through this album? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was this st still? Still? Oh, we're only yeah. halfway through, huh? Oh, this song's only halfway over? Mm. Right. Probably and, should have been over 10 minutes ago. <laughs> and whereas like blackening is almost like a perfect example of the, of the, of the former where, where you're like, you, you get done with the blackening and you're like, fucking whoa. <laughs> I'm done with music for the day. <laughs> yeah. 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 Let me, I think I just want to listen to some Alan Watts lectures. I <laughs> think like just yeah. maybe some, some Buddhist prayers. Yeah. Or... Just go stand out, stand outside with a cup of coffee and just stare at those clouds for a little bit or something. But yeah, but I don't, I don't, you know, but this you're like, yeah, man, like it, it you know, like, you get to the end of who we are and then like, you know, and it starts and like, I am hell starts again. You're like, you know what? Let it roll. Let it roll. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I sure do like this. I am hell song. They're going to do it again. Yeah. Let's go. Which, which is something I love. I, I that's, that's you a know. good point. I hadn't really thought about that, but that's a, yeah. Um, you can do that with this album very easily. Uh, so again, another reason that like, I probably don't prefer this record or I don't like go to this one as much L the lyrics. I think the lyrics are great and amazing. I have no criticism of the lyrics, mm -hmm. but the subject matter is less personal. Oh, for sure. And less like sort of political, less intense. It's you get like the first, like with I am hell, you get like, I feel like one of the first or maybe the first like story song. Yeah. You know, which is cool. It's not, I'm, I'm not, I love that song, you know? Yeah. But, um, you know, and it's it's all incredible lyrics. But the only ones that I, like, really feel are, like, Darkness Within and Who We Are. Yeah, because those yeah. are the two on here that become personal. Right. And, yeah. Right. Locust a little bit, but not really. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was kind of a trend that went through those three albums, right? Like, Ash is super-duper personal. Right. Blackening less so. Like maybe like half and half or so. Well, and the thing too is that even the stuff that isn't personal on Black Ending still feels really sincere and intense. Cause, cause like clinching and farewell, those are, those are, you know, those are political, those are activist songs right. or whatever, but they still feel so um, sincere, so intense. There's not that like, Typically, metal has a kind of a stoic distance, right? And and the blackening didn't really. No, it didn't. E even if they weren't like talking about like you know why won't you love me, it still it still had this, you know, wrapped up in the thing you're talking about kind of vibe, which I, is yeah, it was still Rob giving his point of view on things. Right, whereas unapologetically, like, and yeah. Whereas, like you said, I am hell, or something like I am hell. It's like it's a story that is being told. Right. So yeah, that's, right, a, that's right, definitely right. a difference. Um, and like like there's so many songs on Blackening which are like mission mission statements. Like Halo is a mission statement. <laughs> right. You know. Um, right. So, uh, so <laughs> there's a little bit of controversy concerning like did they use a click track or did they not. <laughs> A little bit of this is a huge deal, uh, <laughs> dragging on to this very day. Um, uh, 
But no, so like last, what was it last time afterwards? You were like, I think they used a click track on this one. Yeah, I was listening to it and I texted you. I was like, I, you know, I think they, I think they clicked it up on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, after explicitly like demonstrably not doing it on the blackening. Right. You can, you can like map out the fluctuations in tempo. <laughs> There's some spots on the blackening where it's just like, oh, this is. This train is off the rails. <laughs> right. um, this train's got like a wobbly wheel on it or something. And but it sounds like that's how it's supposed to be. And and I don't feel that on this record at all. Mm-hmm. It still might not be done to a click track, and they just might be that fucking tight because they toured for like three fucking years straight. Yeah. So there's that. Maybe, yeah. But there is still in like the production and whatnot, there is still sort of uh there's something that's kind of stiff and and I don't maybe sterile. There's there, there's like an organic thing in the production that is missing that the blackening has, that Ashes of Empire has, and that even Bloodstone has to me. Mm-hmm. Um in like the production and like the performance. I don't exactly know what it is. I can't put my finger on it. Um It just feels a little too like flawless, a little too perfect in some some ways. As not- I was listening to it with headphones today and whatnot, it might not be that it's like flawless and perfect. It might be that it feels stitched together. Like, hmm. um, and I think they allude to this in that making of with Dave's drum tracks. Cause Rob says something about like, I'm trying to collect all the Dave McLean awesomeness or whatever. And we don't have delayed gratitude. We you know we're not having instant gratification so that we can have delayed gratification. I think what he's referring hmm. to is cause like a lot of this sounds like they're, they're like chopping up Dave McLean's takes to yeah. put it together to have like the best take. Like I'm not sure what drums we should do for this part yet, but we're tracking drums today, so do it four different ways and we're going to pick the best one. There's things like that. It, it it has that kind of feel to me and so I I can show you what I think is an example of that. Um so 337 on be still and no. Okay. Okay. So there's this section like they're riffing um, and whatnot, and oh god, damn it! And it's where like a big double bass run starts, but there's no crash symbol, which is a very odd choice. Okay. Um, so three. Get it away from the mics. <laughs> so here, take your head, peel the headphone off. Okay. So, you know, coming up right here. So like, right. I'll, I'll do it again so you hear what I'm saying. I I, I know the part. Okay. Yeah. So like, whenever like the double bass and everything comes in, to me like there's just something in there like to my ears that it feels just a little like. Like it, 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 it makes my head turn. It, it's like something's not right mm-hmm. there. And it, it feels like, cause there's no, like, like you're saying there should be a crash. There should there. be a, like, it, it makes sense in the language of metal drumming mm-hmm. to, if you're <laughs> like, if you're do, if you're doing that for you to throw a crash symbol in there, it makes, you know what I mean? And it, I don't know. I'm I'm speculating. There's gonna be a lot of speculation here, but there but that along with other things, it it feels it feels a lot like all right. Well, let's take like the verse of take two 
and then we're going to do the chorus of take three, and then we're going to do um, verse two of take one, and then we're going to take the fill of take four. It feels like that. So you mean – is what you're saying, it sounds like that because if it were a natural single take, that would be something that you're more likely to naturally have done? Absolutely done. Like, gotcha. So to get to get like nitty gritty, yep. um, he maybe he did a whole take where he was just ripping double bass throughout that whole fucking section, mm-hmm. right? And they're like, oh well, no, that's too much, so they just cut it in half. But since he was already, but when he retracted, since he was already ripping it through the whole section, he didn't do a crash there. You know what I mean? Right. This is the kind of shit that happens when you are editing drums for multiple takes. Like, you gotcha. know, in my experience. And sometimes you have to make, like, kind of hard decisions where you're like, that doesn't really make sense, but it sounds cool. Fuck it. Let's go with it. Or someone is like, no, it sounds fine. And you and you as a drummer, you're like, it doesn't. Um, yeah, because I would have zero conception of that being weird at all. Right. So. Right. Yeah. But it, it sounds just as an example. As yeah. an example. And again, like, I'm talking about something really abstract about, like, whereas, like, blackening, you feel like those are full takes like those feel so organic Mm -hmm. and all the, the way everything ebbs and flows, you know, maybe they took a fill from another, Oh, well take two, you botched the fill on take one. So we pulled the fill in from take two, but overall it feels just so, you know, that's how it was done. It feels like there's editing, a lot of editing here. Could be. Yeah. And I don't, I mean, editing in a compositional sense. Like, this feels like yeah. an album that was willed into, that was like willed into greatness. Like, <laughs> you know, almost produced into greatness, so to speak, as opposed to blackening, which was like written and performed into greatness. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Wild speculation on my part. I, I see how that makes sense. I would never have picked up on it, but I, I see what you're saying for sure. Um, and yeah, and that's really all of like my general impressions on the album. Okay. Um, I had a note that I was just trying to like understand what why I wrote what I wrote, and I don't know. So what did you write? I'm gonna worry about it. I I wrote that in. Well, I wrote. Uh, what the fuck? Where was it? I I. I I wrote, I fucking love the lyrical patterns in I Am Hell, but I don't know what I was referring to. I put love in caps. Like I said, I fucking love it. So clearly I felt strongly about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now I'm like, I don't even know what I was talking about. <laughs> I wrote this last night. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there's some really cool patterns in there. I um, guess, but I don't know what if I meant the the way the lyrics are structured or the the melody that they're using. I'm I'm thinking that's maybe what I meant. Maybe did you maybe mean like the rhythm in the verses? I'm thinking maybe like, I meant the chorus. Maybe you know. I don't know. I like the song a lot. It's a <laughs> fucking amazing song. Yeah, I don't. I just don't know what I was talking about. I think it's text. That's weird. So since you're talking about I'm Hell, so we can kind of go through like my track by tracks. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, so I think this is technically when it kicks in is like the fastest machine head song, mm-hmm. um, besides maybe struck a nerve. Um, and, but like fucking this. Is, and so again, like the things that bug me about this, they're, they're, ve- they're very much preferences. So like they have in, when everything kicks in on this and it's all ripping, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, like 
McLean is ripping fucking 30 second notes on the double bass, but it's like buried in the mix. Yeah. Like it's like low in there. And it's like, why, you know, like why, like, why are you going to have him go through the trouble to fucking do this? Mm. And, and then like, you know, and it's lower in the mix than when he does all of his other double bass shit. Like, fucking bring that shit up, dude. Like, <laughs> fucking, if you're good to do goddamn Angel of Death, do goddamn Angel of Death, you know? Um, yeah, that's a fair point. But yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's it's still an incredible song. It's it's a fucking destroyer. It's dynamic. I love the, you know, I, I love the ebbs and flows of of it. You know, and I think that's like, that's kind of what like makes me like makes, makes me go, you know, about it is that I love the, the, the way, like the way that it sort of like speeds up a little here and slows down here, but it seems to do that the exact same way every time. And maybe Dave is just that fucking good. (laughs) Maybe that's maybe, (laughs) you know. But like at the end of the course, when it goes into the like, you know, like the sextuplet double bass and it like drops a little bit and like just anyway, it's just thrasher piece, man. It's Yep. That's the word. That's the word that they coined, I think. Or somebody did. Uh, yeah, that song is great. Uh, so there's a funny thing that happens with some of the tracks on here where I mix them up with what I feel is their analog on the blackening. Oh yeah. Like I forget which one is called, which like I mix up be still and no with beautiful morning. I could see. <laughs> okay. I could you know see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Or like I mix up pearls before the swine with, uh, unleash the wolves. <laughs> oh, does it have animals in them? <laughs> when they're like the second to last track. Yeah. yeah that's true. <laughs> you know, and they're like long and you know, and shit like that, they're, you know, yeah, um, but yeah, you really are the neoclassical stuff on "Be Still and Know." I mean, not that you don't on on the, the rest of the album. Yeah, uh, but... yeah, like I, I kind of, I think, uh, though, yeah, the only thing I had about that was like somehow "Be Still and Know" to me gets lost uh, between like because you've got "I Am Hell," then "Be Still and Know," and then "Locust." Fair enough. And somehow it like falls through that crack. Oh. Just, I just forget about it or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just an incredibly good song. It is. It's absolutely. And <laughs> and I, I love how, um, like Dave goes off in like the last pre-chorus and then they, and then like the beginning of the first of the last chorus, like drops out. So it's like, it's building up in the pre-chorus, you know, like, but he's doing all these crazy fills. And then like, you know, do you know what part I'm talking about? That was something I meant to write down, actually, that I didn't. Is when that happens, it feels like everything just falls off a cliff. And it's amazing. And it's so cool. Like, like you have this, like, slow. Like this part. He's just going for it, and then. Okay, you mean this part? Right. Okay, I was I was talking about going to the bridge. Okay, the bridge. Yeah. Yeah. 
that. Oh yeah. Where it just it just feels like a fucking car went off a cliff. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I feel that. That as well, yes. I feel that. Uh, there's just a lot of cool stuff going a on. A rad song. fucking song. Like we're saying, God each damn. song has its individual fucking identity. Yeah. And the uh the chorus, this the chorus melody is killer. Mm-hmm. Uh there's so much good Rob singing on this album. Yes. There's like I think I think maybe more so than any of their other albums. Like clean clean vocals. Right. Right, uh, right. But like belt like not belting, but like in his like higher register than he normally is. Right, right, right. And that's a, that's the thing that I saw him talking about in an interview clip of, you know, and part of it was stemmed by them doing that hallowed be that name cover. Oh right. Of him like going to get fucking vocal lessons and shit. <laughs> Needing to do that to get a cover happening. Yeah. You know? Which like yeah. and he's like, well, I don't know. He's like, I don't know if I could sing that all the way through. <laughs> um but I'm gonna have to work on my range and and shit like that and unlearn some bad habits and, and he was talking about going to his vocal instructor and whatnot and like down the hall or down the street or whatever there was like a, a guitar school. So he's like, Fuck mm-hmm. it, I'll fucking take some classical guitar lessons and cool. shit. You know? And like unlearning all these habits and you know, and shit like that. And I, I thought that was just so fucking rad yeah, to just go like learn some different shit and then incorporate it into the music you write. Yeah. Um, like somebody, yeah, somebody like that who's been playing for like you know, 25, had, whatever years. Right. At and that just point. made like metal album of the decade. He, he's with it, his rights to tell absolutely everyone to fuck right off. Yeah. You know, but then at the same time, like if you, in that, in that uh, little making of, it was like a 20 minute documentary thing. But when they get the, uh, the string, string quartet, players, yeah. Yeah. In to do the parts for uh, I'm Hell or is it Locust? I forget. I think it's on Who We Are. Maybe it's multiple parts. It it they, it is on multiple songs, but the one I remember is who we that are. That was the one, okay. But the, so the he's intro. yeah, so he's just like sitting in there with with his acoustic guitar in like the lobby, and they got like cellos and shit set up, and right. and they're just kind of like staring at him. And he's like, if you just go to like the third fret and just play right there, that's what I'm going for. And he plays the thing, and then the voiceover comes in, and he's like, you know, I'm I, I don't know what I'm talking about in terms of musicality. Like I just right. say go to the third fret, and they're looking at me like I'm stupid. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's what happens. Yeah. <laughs> I know that feeling. <laughs> right, right, so, right. You know, despite his his tenure and his lessons, he's still like, play it at the third fret, cello guy. Right. He's <laughs> not gonna he's not gonna be like, all right, so go from the F sharp yeah. to the E flat or whatever, you know. Yep, yep. Um or in the key of A minor, you know. He's not he's not gonna do all that. No. And <laughs> And it it was so rad to sort of see how he spoke about all that and to sort of be kind of like humble and like confident at the same time. Sort of is like it's like, yeah, like it he sort of expressed it the way that it felt like with working with the string quartet was sort of like it took us a little bit to figure out how to talk to each other. Right. And exactly. it took him a little bit to be able to trust me. Um, and to trust my ideas, but it got there. Yeah. You know, cause you get the sense like he knew what he wanted to do. He just didn't quite know how to get there. Right, 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 and, right, right. And get those, get the, those folks to understand what it was that he wanted. Right. And I know that is something I could totally relate to as either being on either end of that, of, of being like the drummer that was called in, like the session musician that was called in mm-hmm. and like, I know you hear something. 
I don't know what it is. Yeah, but what you're telling me is not it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't give you what you're asking for, but I'd rather give you what you want. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Yeah. That is that is such a wild thing where like people people asking for something but it is not the thing that you can tell that they actually want. Right. And yeah. Right. Uh here's some more ice if you would mm. like. Yeah, yeah. I will. Um we might have to have a, a Coke break and go run and grab more Coke from inside. I brought Oh, man, you're just always on top of shit. Um, uh, so I thought that was a really cool aspect. And, and then also being on the other side of it of, like, having a session musician recording for you. And, you know, you're like, this is what I want. And I wrote out this part. <laughs> and they're like, well, that's kind of lame. <laughs> I mean, they don't say that because you're paying them, you know. Um, I say that because I want the fucking job. And, uh, but, but sort of like having to sort of establish that trust of like, you know, or, you know, like how much do I trust them? How much do they like trust our ability to make a good, you know, good, you know what I mean? Like all that yeah. sort of stuff, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting dynamic. And, and I, I, I appreciated the way that he, like sort of talked about it. it was it was cool to hear yeah 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 um so the next track is locust absolute masterpiece right it's like yep. one of the best metal songs i've ever written right yep like undeniably yep like you can't um yeah yeah i could i could pick apart every little bit of, of most of these songs like really every note feels like oh that's what's perfect yep. every drum hit feels like oh it's perfect you know, the only the only thing that I decided to pick out was the pre-chorus riffs in Locust are so fucking well done. Yeah, it's also good. I, I remember I learned the intro riff on piano once. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nice. yeah. I was like, oh, this is cool. And I instantly forgot it. No. <laughs> um, yeah, the only note I wrote is like uh, that bridge. God damn. <laughs> uh, yep. So but something I did write. So. This is an excerpt from that blog I sent you. Okay. Um, so because Phil talks about in that documentary that uh, the you know, like the like this idea of like people who come into your life who just try to take and take and take, and then whenever they get called up called out on it, they just leave and kind of move on to the next harvest, right? Is the idea, right? You know, was was how he said it. And it reminded me of something that Rob would write in a blog entry that talked about whenever they had to fire Adam, whenever they fired Adam. Um, and so this is this is the little short part. It says, a band is a dysfunctional... He's talking about like how fucking hard it is to be in a band, right? And he's like, a band is a dysfunctional family, a brotherhood, a family business, and a Renaissance-era court. <laughs> Your roommates in a studio apartment on wheels for years at a time, 24 hours a day. Plus, you're in the pressure cooker of the spotlight. Every move analyzed, read into, or attacked. Everybody wants something from you. Everybody wants to be your friend. Everybody loves you. Everybody can do so much better for you than the people you have now. Some people try and turn turn you against each other, and everyone wants to take credit for your success. Oof. And, and it's like, it's hard for me to not think like that vibe and that frustration is where us the lyrics for a song like locust come from you know like just all those all those sycophants that like are like, we always believed in you rob right you know we knew you guys would do it yeah which they certainly 
after the monumental success of the Blackening, they certainly had had to deal with that. Yeah, because for as for as much success as they had with Ashes, the Blackening was like universally acclaimed. <sighs> yeah. So at, coming off of that, uh, I'm sure you had people coming out of the woodwork. Right. I don't know if that that might be one of the most. I mean, acclaimed metal records of that decade. Like, yeah, without a doubt. Um, and rightfully so. Yes. Um, I think we covered that last time. But uh, but I thought that was an interesting thing, you know. Yeah, yeah uh, for sure. So this is the end. This is uh, I, I started to write Rob's favorite, and I was like, that's confusing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I wrote Rabbit's Fable. I, I understand that. So a few years ago when we did Robert's musicology for like the proto trial version of this podcast where you were just going to be one of the many guests, um, this was the one Machine Head song that you picked. Yeah, because that was a situation where I was trying to – I had to whittle down each band to one song. And yeah. so that was the one I picked to represent Machine Head. Right. At the time, yeah. Which is like so stupid to think about. Like now <laughs> that the, we, here we are like, you know, in our like eighth hour – yeah, talking about Machine Head, <laughs> and you were like, "Well, this one, yeah. this one will do it." Well, I mean, even then, that playlist was like four and a half hours long, maybe more. Or I mean, yeah, probably, was probably right, <laughs> maybe more. Maybe like eight hours, I don't remember. Honestly. Yeah, I think it was six. It was a lot. I was, I was like, "We got breaks in four parts." <laughs> um, yeah, um, but yeah, this is the end. Is the one that I picked for that? Uh, would I pick it now? I don't know. Maybe. It, okay. Like probably, still. Uh, it's, it's one of my favorite metal songs. It's an, it's an incredible song. Um, it does so many things. It does so many things that I want a metal song to do, but it does so many things that are like also very interesting. Mm. <laughs> the chorus, especially, I that's like probably my favorite metal chorus. Oh, it it's pretty rad. It's so amazing. Like yeah, it's it because like it's it's all Dave McLean. It's all Dave McLean for me. That's what makes it so interesting to me. So I'm a little frustrated with the drum part in the A section, uh-huh. which is part of the chorus. Yeah. Right? Um, because I'm like, just do a goddamn suffo blast. Like, just just <laughs> go like. But that would make it less interesting. Like, just keep it fucking going. No, I got to disagree. So for, for me... <laughs> It feels like the mo- when it, whenever he starts when it starts breaking up, it feels like the bottom drops. He's out. doing the syncopated stuff. Yeah, it feels I like love, the drop. It I feels love it. okay. Well, that's cool to hear. <laughs> For but, me, it feels like the bottom drops out. I understand that. Um, and again, I totally acknowledge that this is a preference aspect of it, right? Like, well, it sounds like on some level, there's there's also like a drummer's aspect to this specifically. It's a it's a language thing, right? It's, a, it's a, the language of drumming, like what you expect a drummer to be doing. Well, and it's a language. It's it's that like I'm fam- very familiar with the language of death metal drumming, mm. and Dave is not necessarily. Uh, I don't know how much death metal he is into. Um, he's a he's a a groove and a thrash metal drummer. Yeah, you know, and so. But it sounds like here he's like creeping up on some. 
death and, metal adjacent things. Right. And it might be intentional or it might be totally accident. Like, right. It might be in a totally like organic way. Like that motherfucker might have never goddamn listened to suffocation. Um yeah. or you know, or or any like death metal derivative things. As far as I know, he only listens to Kiss. <laughs> and Rush. And Rush, yeah. <laughs> he did have that he did have that Rush t shirt on as well. Yeah. And uh <clears throat> uh Pink Floyd the Wall poster. It's uh, yeah. Taking up some big real estate there. Yeah, getting a lot of screen time in this little 20-minute photo, uh, video footage. There. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, but, like, that, you know, be, it, it feels like, it feels like, oh, he's a, he's gonna go, he's gonna go full suffo! You know? And then he's like, oh, you're doing some fucking peart shit. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. But, maybe. But also, I can also see how it's also like a really clever and like a really cool part blah 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 and so it makes me happy that it that it that it hits you in such a like err way for, yeah like for me it is it's such an it's i mean maybe to your point it's like a novel thing that i never hear people do and maybe there's a reason for that on some level in terms of what you should be doing as a drummer, you know? Right. Um, but it's, it's the combination of, I mean, everything else that's going on in that course is amazing as well. Like it's a, sure. it's a great machine head melody and Rob belting his, his great, you know, stuff. And there's a cool riff going on. Right. Uh, that's all great. But it's, it's the juxtaposition, juxtaposition of that staggered syncopated drumming thing falling into the rest of the, the blast beat. Mm-hmm. It's so fucking cool. I do love how intricate, like you know, because you have like that, and then it goes into the thrash thing, and the yeah, like where the where he just comes onto the snare to match the riff, yeah. and like just the the du- and how all and somehow it doesn't like lose momentum in all of that. Th- that's the thing is it keeps up an energy the whole time, right? While just like like that, but it, being so weird and wrong feeling. Because yeah. I'll even admit that it feels like it shouldn't be happening that way, <laughs> but like. <laughs> To me, to its credit, I guess. That makes sense. That so. makes sense. Like, good despite itself, right? Yeah, yeah, really. Um, the, uh, but yeah, like... Uh, the, yeah, the, the, that song just has an energy throughout the whole thing. And for sure. Fuck, the solos are so good. Yep. I was like, this oh. song is so damn cool. Uh, 340, Primo McLean Cymbal Choke Perfection. So... You know, the thing I talked about in the last episode, yeah. how he will do those cymbal chokes in time. Right. Like, you he, know. Like, uses them as, like, notes. Yes. Like, as, as an eighth note, not not just a, a dotted sixteenth yeah. or whatever. Um, or, like, not when I say a dot, like, a staccato sixteenth. Yeah. He'll um, use them melodically. Yes, 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 yes. So, 340. Okay. Because we're nerds, mm-hmm. and this is what we do. Mm-hmm. Um so three forty. So Oh yeah, that is that is really good. You know what I mean? That's something that I've always noticed but never thought about what was actually happening there. That makes a lot of sense. Right. Because it's not Because he holds it out for like longer than he should. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. He doesn't go right. It's yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um nice. And like he probably got that from from Neil. You know, um, and his pert, his peart shit, uh, <laughs> his peartness. But yeah, and and I guess like lyrically, this song is about people who like sort of like turned on them because they were successful or something. It sort of feels like the, the mm, yeah. thread that it's pulling on. It's hard to hard to know. 
Yeah, it's another one of those kind of slightly detached ones. It is. Yeah. It is. Um, all right, Darkness Within. I love everything about this song except for the drumming on the second verse. <laughs> Man. So how does that hit you? Can, can, you pull, can you pull it up real quick again? Yeah. So for me, I want it to come in halfway through. I want it to come in right at the two-minute mark on the um, – This is where he's doing his, like – just fills for days i love it okay that's cool okay that makes me feel better and and, you know i think it's for a similar reason to why i love the chorus and this is the end because it's a novel thing that you don't hear very often but to me it like it (coughs) breathe 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 Uh, it, it does the thing of like it carries for me anyway it carries the energy through but doing a novel interesting thing Right. You know, I mean, they're all really, really good fills, right? Like I've transcribed them all. Okay, <laughs> I tried to find the. I was gonna find the paper and bring it out and prove it, but whatever. Oh man, you I, can. You I, trust I, me. I believe. Yeah. Um, and so. So he's just throwing in these little fills here and there. But this is what, like, to me, this is where I want it. I want it to come in right here. Like I want it. Like nothing up until that point. Yeah, or very little up until that point. But again, it's a preference. Yeah, I guess to me it works as a building block, because the whole time it's building, and, and if to me that that makes sense, if only because <sighs> at the most basic level you're doing something staggered, you know. But also, just musically, I like the way that it happens. For me, it so. feels distracting from the lyrics. And and I want I can see that actually. I want to be more in those lyrics. Okay. And and so maybe maybe that's like an aspect of it because like me as a drummer, I can't I can't like tune that out. That can't just be a cool effect. I see. To me, I'm like I'm visualizing like what Tommy's hitting, uh, the motions <laughs> that are like attached to you know all of it, and and I and I don't want to be doing that i want to just be thinking about these very very cool awesome lyrics (laughs) because i can totally see if phil came in with a guitar like 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 over the lyrics (laughs) yeah like like, that would be distracting like if there was like if that was going on behind it because the guitar the whole time is doing a very repetitive sort of not droning but like it's just playing the same sort of subdued little riff all right. the time. Also, I think that like Dave McLean might have written this riff. Oh yeah. Also, um, he's like the secret weapon riff right riff writer of the band. Like they show that in the in the making of. Oh, okay. Where he, he is sitting there with Phil's flying V, showing Phil a riff, and oh. Phil's like, <laughs> it's just like a cool little moment there. So like, I, I was I was pretty busy today, so I didn't I. I I watched that while I was like, I watched it while I was driving. So I didn't see, <laughs> Okay. I listened to all of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But I didn't see like all the shots. So um, there's some pretty cool stuff. And like, like I said, nothing at quite as interesting overall as the stuff from the blackening, for example, mm. or, or ashes, but uh, some pretty neat stuff. Right. So, but, uh, but I mean like overall, it's an amazing song. It's like a less suicidal. It's like, it's like a non-suicidal version of descend the shades of night for me. Um, and and it, like looking at the same thing from a different angle, because to send the shade of nights is like you know, <clears throat> you know, uh, 
bleed with me, see with me, see with me, sing with me. You know, it's 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 like pointing at the same thing of like we have this shared experience, and through this song, we're not alone. Through you know, blah blah blah. And but this is interesting because it's a song about that experience itself. It's yeah. like a meta version of it. This feels more like pulled out to just like music in general. Yes. Being a thing that people can get behind. Right. I mean, it's kind of relates to what we're fucking talking about earlier with like Stranger Things and exactly. fucking, you know, and the line, God damn it, man. Like the line, like we build cathedrals to our pain. Fucking like, like you could, that's definitely a coat hanger for an entire fucking song. Like you could have started <laughs> with nothing but that. And, and like, that is such a good line. It's like, dude, spend six months building a song around that fucking line because that line is so goddamn good. Yeah. Um, and this song always destroys live also. I feel like I've seen it. Like, there's been times that they've done it live where I feel like the outro vocal line, like the audience has done it for like three minutes straight. <laughs> like, it just kept going. Just... <laughs> It's one of those things where you, it kind of can keep going. Like it always feels like it pulls itself into the next iteration, mm -hmm. right? Or the, or, uh, the next round, like a row, row, row your boat type thing. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. So, yeah, oh, fantastic song. Uh, Pearls before the swine. That middle melodic part of like you know broken vows, da 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 da. Like it's just right in the middle. You know what I'm talking about. No, um, I'll, I can't, I'll can't call it to mind anyway. I'll pull it up real quick. Um, it's like the only like real clean singing part in the song. Um, it's one of my favorite albums on the favorite very most on the entire record. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, that it's just right there in the middle. Oh God! It's it's one of my favorite, seriously, my favorite moments on the entire fucking record. I yeah. don't. Yeah. I would never say that "Pearls Before the Swine" is my favorite song on this record. I would never say that. But that stanza might be my favorite. I 100% agree with you there. <laughs> to me, like this is talking about analogs to the blackening. This is kind of the wolves of this album. Like it kind of sits next to the last, and it's kind of like it's there. It's doing its job. But it does have that. You're, you're totally right. <laughs> it does right. have that. Yeah. Yeah. I had forgotten about that. <clears throat> it makes it so fucking special. Um, that, that's the kind of thing, though, that there's a lot of to me on this album where it's like, and maybe it kind of it kind of has that like non-cohesive or stitched to together feel of like there's a really cool thing happening here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The, that album is kind of this. Uh, writ large but it's all all the things that are stitched together are objectively fucking amazing <laughs> they're all really good and yeah. brilliant so fuck yeah <laughs> you know yeah also like the outro on this song is killer so this is like one of my favorite things right uh, I'm, I'm, i don't even give a shit what happened so uh <laughs> so like six 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 um You know what I'm fucking talking about? Everything going on there is cool as fuck. There's a little chromatic tweedly riff. Right. When just like They're just doing the beginning of killing in the name. 
Oh shit! I guess so. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, that that's great. Just all these like little fucking things. So um, oh man. Uh, who we are. So I was gonna say this earlier. I should ask you this, but so what do you think about like the strings overall on this record? I don't. I don't think. I don't really remember them very often. Like I had to think about when they happened. Same. Uh, but I guess that's to its credit, really, because they're yeah. integrated really well. Right, uh, right, right. But when I do think about them, like specifically in uh, the thing that I now can't remember that I'm going to reference anyway, but. Yeah, I think they're used really well. Uh, okay. By and large, I, I don't think they like. There's never a part where I'm like, "Oh, here comes the string song" or whatever. Right, it's right, just, right. Where it feels like some uninspired fucking string pad yeah, or whatever. They, yeah, yeah. I think they're tastefully done. I th- I agree. Um, they, they probably add exactly what they need to add, basically. Right. Yeah. So this is one of the you know the other song that like I kind of feel a little more intensely, like lyrically. Mm-hmm. You know, especially like now, um, given like the climate we're in and yeah. whatnot. Um, I'm still sure. not quite sure what to make of the like divided we will stand. Um, yeah. Line. Like, I, I think I get what he's going for, but it doesn't, it just doesn't feel good <laughs> to I, say it. Yeah. I mean, that's not a great conclusion to come to if that is what you're going for. <laughs> Well, and I, like, I this is the way things are going to be, and we can't do anything about it. But here we go anyway. Well, and I, I think it's like a, it's up for interpretation, which like makes it interesting, right? Because yeah. it could mean that you're divided from the main thing that's going on, or it could be like what unites us is that we are different. We don't have to be the same. We just have we just have to be against this or yeah you know I guess wording it as divided like that carries a certain connotation that is like this is irreconcilable yeah it, yeah well and it, it it's meant to juxtapose united we stand exactly yeah right and and so because that because that carries the connotation of like no matter what else we are united to me anyway right right so it it carries a sort of defeatist tone to me. Right, and I don't know. I don't know what the. I'm not sure what the intention was. It feels. Yeah. I mean, I, I assume that it's meant to have a positive intention, given the rest of the lyrics. But it's it's hard for me to. It, it the line still doesn't feel positive. Exactly to me. Yeah. Um. But the middle, the like into glory we will ride. I. <laughs> What did I say? I said that they make me really feel a line like this, like a lyric like this. I don't know if I'm like really empowered and like, yes, you guys are amazing. Or if I'm like pissed, like, like that you made me like put my, we into glory, we will ride. That that I'm like, you know, I know what you mean. Yeah. It's kind of like a really un, un machine head part there right but very metal it's, it's very power metal very very but it, it, they make it happen yeah it, and it works it works yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And, and so um yeah uh so did you catch the part from the making of that that's their kids singing this yes i i didn't realize that i just thought they had like maybe some... <laughs> you're like i thought that's just how dave sounded when he sang <laughs> Oh, uh, it's Dave's singing voice. I mean, yeah, yeah. Him and he and Rob took a lot of lessons there uh, to be able to. So, do you think that's cool, or do you think it's lame? I think it's cool. Yeah. Uh, 
I had something more to add to that that they talked about in the thing, but I don't remember what it was. Now. He well, he did talk about like like his kids, how like he had one of his kids do the demo version of it, and then the other one, like like his, his oldest kid wanted to hear it. Hey, hey, Dad, play my song, you know. And then his, that's what it was. Yeah. And then his his youngest was like proud of his older brother and was like, "Yeah, play Xander's song," you know, or whatever. So then. By the by, the time it was time to track it, everyone knew the words. Yeah, yeah. Because they've been listening to the demo version of it or whatever. But yeah, it, but it's like Rob's kids. It's I think Phil's kids. I think so. Maybe? Yeah. There's because they show there's like six or eight kids and they're around a, a mic mm-hmm. singing it at some point. Uh, yeah, I think that's cool. Yeah, I I think that's cooler than just like getting a kid's choir in there to do it for you for sure because it means something. That's true. Not, you know, not that you know. Whatever, I I think it's cool too. It means more <clears throat> to me. I think it's cool too. It's it's a thing that like, if it's done a certain way, it could be it could be like lame and contrite and contrived or whatever. But also at the same time, like, I don't know how that would feel, or, or like I, I it's or like that idea of like yeah, I'm making this record and I want my kid's fucking voice on it. And because then they get to be a part of this thing and it makes them feel good and it makes me feel good. Like, I imagine that that that's like a really awesome thing. You know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So um, uh, there are only two times when kids have been used effectively on albums, this one and another Brick in the Wall part two. And mm, no one ever. No, has. ever. I've never done. Youth of the Nation, P.O.D., get the shit out of here. <laughs> Don't want to hear it. <laughs> Nope. I think that's one of the best songs ever. I love that. What? I love that song, dude. Hold on. Controversy. Coming back around. Are you kidding me? I'm not. I really, really love that song. Well, I mean, okay. I think it's... Maybe I need to put some qualifiers there. I guess I've just never heard anyone feel that strongly about that song is all it is. I, I think that hook is fucking amazing. I think that chorus is great. The drum work is great. Like, it's... You know... I the drums do kind of stand out from that song now that I think about it. I love I love the verses. I love I love the scenarios that he's describing in each one of the verses. Mm-hmm. You know, um it that that song is like the con it's it's the antithesis to the fucking Eagles get over it, you know? Like and That's a fair point. I can get behind it now, actually. And so and like that. I can say that when that song was on the radio, of all the songs that were on the radio at that time. That was definitely my favorite one to hear. Um, okay. That yeah. was, I would always get excited and be like, yes, that's all. That's, that's the one, you know? I don't know, man. I got, I got nothing against this song. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It didn't, I didn't love it enough to go by the record, but I do love that fucking song. Cool. Uh, that also reminds me, though, talking about uh, the kids being on the album and, and how that might feel. Uh, on um, on speaker box, mm. there's a track that's like a minute or whatever long because they do they do a few like skits on that album, mm-hmm. and it's it's Big Boy and his son at the time who's like three maybe two years old. <laughs> He's got him in the booth there, no. and they, they're playing the beat to the next <laughs> song, which is like Tomb of the Boom. But he's got his son in there, and he's like, "Hey, what are we doing, man? What are we, what are we coming here to do?" He's like, "We're coming to rap," and he's like, "Say," but and he's like. You know, spit your shit, man. Like, say your thing. And he says something, something, something. Something, 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 motherfucker. And then they're like, bust out laughing. 
Yeah. And it's just such a cool moment. And so, so similar thing, like it's it's probably pretty cool to have a kid on a novel like that if you're if you're a dad. You're I'm a laughing uncontrollably because you said his son at the time. Oh, did I? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that's what I heard. You might have said his son, who at the time was Maybe. three or whatever. But like, well, we have the tape to, to prove it. So. His son at the time, as if at a later time that would not be his son. Right, yeah, it was just for this session, honestly. <laughs> he br- he brought in a uh, session son. A session son. Yeah, there <laughs> <Yeah>. it is. <laughs> oh boy. Oh man. Uh, it's a small market, literally. Yeah. So that's. <laughs> It's a short, short market. Yeah, okay. um, all right. So I think that's, I think that's it for the music. Yeah. I don't have a whole lot else to say about that. I think. Um, okay, cool. So I, I, I spent like hours this morning <laughs> digging into all this and like connecting the dots in my head. And I don't want to go into too much of it, but um what I'm just going to kind of show it. So whenever you know that an album is the last album that, that someone made before a lineup change, it's sometimes hard not to look at that album and like, look for the cracks. Depending on why the lineup change happened, you know? Um, and so, cause we know that this was a firing. Right. Right. Well, if you look at that, um, so before we get into that, I want to like do some wild speculation on why this album, because this is long songs on this album. Yes. Right. And you, like you said, on the board, there was like 12 other fucking things. That makes me think that they just didn't have enough time to write all the things. Like they didn't have enough time to finish writing because they had enough. They had a similar amount of time in the studio that they did for blackening, but Maybe there was the writing time was cut short, and mm. so I like did a lot of digging on set list and like figuring out touring schedules and recording schedules. Oh shit! Okay, and, and all this sort of stuff. And um, this might be kind of boring to for the listeners, but whatever. <laughs> <clears throat> so, what I want to point out. So there's the timeline. Okay, so Ashes touring ends in summer 2005. They play whacking open air festival. Right. So there's a full year when like ashes stops and before the touring cycle for the blackening starts uh-huh. and that touring cycle for the blackening, they do a summer tour first and then they record. Right. So that year did not include the recording of the album. Right. Okay. So that was a full year off to write, recharge, Spend time with family, all that sort of yeah, stuff. Come up with new ideas, get inspired. Right. All sorts of things. Write entire new songs, throw entire songs in the trash, and start over completely. And only use that one riff for the for like a transition and all that sort of shit. Right. Time to do there's time to do all that. Um Blackening's recorded in August, November two thousand six. Then Warner Music Group buys Roadrunner, mm-hmm. January 2007. Okay? I feel like that's really crucial and really, really important. Blackening comes out a few months later in March. Blackening conquers the world, and they basically tour for three years straight. Yeah. Um, 
without a lot of breaks. Blackening is released March 27, 2007. Blackening touring ends May 2010. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now there was there was there were there were months here and blah 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 blah. It but, wasn't constant, but like that's, you know. <clears throat> but the Ashes touring cycle, like they were like entire like there were there were there were it seemed like there were more breaks and that t- touring cycle was even shorter, you know. Yeah, but that's like that's thirty eight months, right? So yeah, and and then, <clears throat> all right. So May two thousand ten. Logos is recorded April to July of 2011. So it's like... So another year gap there. Right, another year gap. But this is a year after three years of constant touring. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I remember hearing in interviews of like them having to... Them doing like some kind of monster style therapy, like having therapists on the road with them. Like to get for Rob and Adam Mm. to try and work their shit out. Okay. You know what I mean? And like, this was a very ancient interview that I heard this. This was before Adam left, you know, because they were like, oh, we'll make a documentary too and put it up, blah, 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 right? Um, so then Locus is released in September, or yeah, uh, September of 2011. Well, well the t- touring starts in the summer, released in September 11th. And then here we go. Here. In. April, spring of 2012, so a few months after Locus is released, WMG downsizes Roadrunner, closes a lot of their international office, and then Cease Wessels, the, the founder and CEO of Roadrunner, steps down. Mm-hmm. Okay, no longer the CEO. Um, and then in August... Monet Connor. Yeah, right? I left it. <laughs> I left it. Yeah, yeah. So it's Monty, Mon- so Monty Connor leaves Roadrunner. That guy is like the architect of 90s metal. Yeah. And consequently, 2000s metal. He leaves Roadrunner and then moves to Nuclear Blast in August. <clears throat> and then a few months later, uh, Adam's fired. So mm-hmm. okay. then Jared joins in, you know, June 2013. Then Machine Head signs to Nuclear Blast. Then you, then we get Bloodstone, right? So my sort of wild speculation <laughs> there <clears throat> is that because of this, that 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 you have like a couple of factors going. One is they have a they have an incredibly successful record, so yeah. you know shit is there. All these offers are coming in. It's going to be hard to turn those offers down. But also, while that's happening, Roadrunner is transitioning to being controlled by a major label who only major labels are con, you know like they care about short term gains. They're they they don't really care if a band eats itself alive or destroys itself they're like make the money now if if there's an opportunity if there's a market for it make the money now yeah um so they're going to push that band <clears throat> to go to be going back out on tour to be going out on tour to, to if those offers are there and even if it's bad for the band <laughs> even if it's bad you know for their for the band's future for their health their well-being their yeah and then consequently, they're going to push them to get back into the studio and to do another album and to do another tour and so on and so forth. So I think that those pressures expedited the the factors, you know, like the, the cracks that were already there between the relationship that Adam and Rob had or the relationship with Adam to the rest of the band. Yeah. Like facing down <clears throat> another stressful situation that you didn't want to go back into with right, this person right. who you had a 
perhaps tenuous at best relationship with at the time. Right. And I can see that. Yeah. And so, and like in blackening, it was like their big payoff. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like, <laughs> I, mean, I, assume, I assume it was a big catharsis <sighs> that they had been building up to for a while. Right. And, and so, but yeah, anyway, but so like all that pressure and stuff like that, like even aside from Adam leaving, I think that contributed to like, like they might've fucking asked Roadrunner. Like Rob's a hard fucking negotiator. If he might've been like, Hey, we need, we need more time to write before going in the studio. Right. And like, <laughs> if they were given eight months to write, I guarantee you that means that the label wanted to only give them six and Rob wanted 12 or 10. Right. I right. guarantee fucking to you that, um, you know, so maybe that's a factor as to why, because it just doesn't make sense. It's out of character in the trajectory that this album would be the shortest one. Again, I'm wildly speculating. My idea, what I think is I, I think there were ideas that were almost complete and maybe that's why Bloodstone ended up being so long is because there's like, they're, they're, I don't know which set of ideas or which song, but yeah. like there might be a song on there that the real bones of it, um, maybe the bones being haunted by ghosts <laughs> were already, you know, that it almost made it onto Logos, but they time to finish it. Yeah, and, and when you say it like that, it actually makes a lot of sense because like, the songs that are on Locust are already proving themselves to be this, like, they, they at least feel far more epic in nature sure. than even what was in the Blackening, despite the fact that some of those songs are longer. Yeah. Uh, these feel like more like you like you kind of said earlier like they're each one is like at a big event yeah on its own mm -hmm. and so i can totally see them having other things that maybe they didn't feel were up to snuff at that point right in, in terms <clears throat> of that context right uh that didn't make the cut right so yeah i could see this album being like an hour and a fucking half like kind of like this one was well this one not quite but right 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 like like no one would have been mad if there was like another crazy unique song and there was eight tracks on this and it was fucking 55 minutes. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. Oh God, you threw another seven track song on here and it's only 55. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if there was another one of these caliber of songs. Exactly. Sure. Exactly. And, uh, and it just seems odd that they would, they would, that they would stop at 48 minutes and be like, that's it. That's all we want to do. But maybe they did. Maybe they're like, fuck it. We're going to do a shorter record. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe that's exactly what they wanted to do. Again, I am speculating wildly. And uh, like, honestly, that could be a thing that I could also see here because if you were in a stressful situation and you know, you have a good like foundation for something, maybe you just want to focus on that and stick with it. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Like let's make so. this 48 minutes, the best fucking 48 minutes that it can be. Yeah. I could see and, it going either way basically, but I, I see what you're saying. And I guess like another aspect is that <clears throat> if a few months after this was released, the fucking label basically implodes. Um, and it becomes like, all right, well, if you're not Slipknot or Nickelback, you're fucked. <laughs> um, uh. you're going to go other places. <clears throat> Um, though, though that, that might not have been an issue and showing in 2007, 2008, but I guarantee you it was, that was known and understood throughout that company that, that something like that was happening by 2011. Sure. You know what I mean? They, that, yeah. it, that didn't come out of nowhere. 
No. You know. No, no, no. Those uh, things take time to, to happen. Right. So. Right. And so, anyway, I think that's... I mean, whether that affected this album or not, I do think it's interesting to put it in context. That, sure. like... I mean, if anything, it's more of a testament to how amazing this record is. That underneath all that chaos and all that and all that turmoil that they still managed to pull out this brilliant fucking record. Yeah. And then if you look at... So... You didn't have a chance to read that article. Right. That blog entry. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm going to just kind of, I'm not going to like read the whole thing here, but basically like the picture that Rob, so this is about Adam Deuce getting fired. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a really great read, um, but <clears throat> The picture that Rob paints is, and again, this is the picture that Rob paints, um, is that like basically his negativity and his sort of outlook on everything was really dragging everyone down. But Rob's or Adams? Adams. But Adam wouldn't quit. Like, like he was carrying it around himself around like he had quit the band, but he wouldn't actually quit. And everyone wanted him to fucking quit because it was clear that he wasn't, his heart wasn't in it anymore. You know, and that's like sort of the 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 picture that 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 he paints, and he talks about how tough it is to be in a band, and you know it's one big roller coaster. There's wins and there's losses, um, but for us, you know, like we're a you know we're a mid tier band, and our losses are aren't really are like our our wins aren't really that big, and our losses aren't really that that drastic either. But that's where we are, you know, and um, <clears throat> anyway, it just it feels like really heartfelt. And you do feel like, OK, well, this is legitimately Ross perspective. Sure, it's not the whole story, but you get that he's not happy about it. Like, it's like, yeah, yeah this fucking sucks, I, you know, and I guess like something that tracks to me or something to me about it is like. I just, I can imagine there being so many issues and so much tension because Adam was a co-founder of the band. He's there since the beginning. Right. And they were like teenage friends. and Right. They've known each other a long time. And so even if it's always been Rob's vision or Rob's voice, Adam had still been there completing that vision. Mm -hmm. And even if there could have been someone else out there playing bass, it wasn't someone else. It was Adam. Adam was spending time away from his family too. Adam wasn't building someone else's legacy. He was building, he was helping to build Machine Head's legacy. And, you know, and then, you know, I don't, I don't know, man. Maybe he, he wanted to, he wanted to get paid more or something. You never fucking know with these things. Sure. Um, and, like there's all like there's just so many problems that can arise in that kind of thing like resentment, entitlement, you know, um, and it just sucks because I mean but sometimes man it's like people do their best and shit just doesn't work out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and like I'm very very attached to Dave and Phil, but it's Rob. Like as long as as long because I begrudgingly dutifully. Went and after after 
Dave and Phil left. I went and saw Rob, pl- you know, the, the, I went and saw Rob in the heads, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> and like skeptically, you know, but, but I went and I was like, this is good. This is still great. It's a little, it's not my preference. It's a little different. It's a little different, but this is still undeniably great. And as long as it's Rob's voice mm. singing these songs with great players behind him, these songs and the essence of this band will continue. Um, right. And that's what it is, you know? It just, it just is what it is, you know? Like, I, I don't... It sucks. You don't want to think that anyone is replaceable, but you know, uh, like what's Rob going to do? Like stop the band because the bassist can't fucking find his place in the fucking pecking order or whatever. Yeah. Or whatever happened. Yeah. Right. Um, another thing that I have to like speculate is that, or another thing is like, so if you dig into Adam Deuce's, um, Twitter, uh, huh. He wasn't active on Twitter f- for very long, but like from like 2012 to like 2016, um, he went full, full Infowars, George Soros, MAGA. Oh no. Um, and so that like, considering where Rob has kind of always been politically, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. where Rob would get more explicit about that as time went on. I, I wonder if that was a some tension, you know, a cause for some tension. I would bet on that. So, yeah. But it's hard to know, like in 2012. Yeah, things were different. You know, no, things hadn't uh, things hadn't calcified at that point. Right, but I don't like, know, man. Maybe fucking Deuce was like listening to Alex Jones talking about how fucking Obama wasn't this or Obama. You know what I mean? Like spewing like racist Tea Party shit. Yeah, yeah, because that was the thing back then. Right. Yeah, that was what came to be known as the GOP today. <laughs> right, 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 right. And so, yeah. you know, but again, just that... little pieces I'm putting out on the table. I don't fucking know. You know, I don't know. I'm, I wasn't there. I'm not in the fucking band, you know. And I and I guess, like, the, 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 the other thing about it is, like, I've seen shit get real squirrely with bands – when there is like either no money involved or like tens of dollars, <laughs> let alone tens of thousands of dollars in entire livelihoods. Yeah. You know, and like 20 years of history. So yeah. Yeah. sometimes that shit just don't fucking work out. And so. True. But yeah, it sucks. So Adam, Adam left, they got a new bassist and they did, they did Bloodstone. They did Bloodstone time. So, all right. Now we're gonna talk about blessed stuff, and yes. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna make a little more, make a little more, make a little more drink. Yes. So, so this, um, you weren't terribly familiar with this record, right? So I kind of, so I loved Through the Ashes, I loved the Blackening, and I loved Locust. And then when this one came out, it was because what year did this come out? Twenty fourteen. Um. And I think at that point, I had kind of, um, I got to a point where I just wasn't listening to a lot of metal for Similar a while. Similar for me. By and large. Um, 
And so when this album came out, I definitely, I definitely gave it a listen or two or three. I forget. Mm-hmm. Um, but it definitely like, I remember when Locust came out. Um, even at that point, I was sort of, I was sort of cooling on metal for a while. Mm-hmm. I was getting into a lot of other different things, uh, but like that album Locust was sort of undeniable for me in a similar way to the blackening where it was like, this is great. Well, we were technically in a metal band together. That's true. We were still when, when, uh, when unto the locust came out. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So like you still, (laughs) you're still pretty metal, you know? (laughs) Yeah. 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 Relatively sure. Uh, but, yeah, the, the, my reaction to when Locust came out was like, I, this is amazing. Right. Definitely going to keep listening to this. Whereas when Bloodstone came out, I gave it a listen and it just did not grab me in the same way mm-hmm. as any of the previous three albums had. Uh, or some other album, albums before that. Uh, and I uh, just kind of didn't go back to it. And that's kind of it. Uh, and I didn't really, it didn't even plant a seed for me to like go back to it again later on. And, uh, I I think there's also some amount of, I didn't feel the need for more new machine head. Sure. So yeah. 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 Sometimes you get, you're like, that's all I need of that. Yeah. Of that artist, you know? So and I think, yeah, there was probably some of that in there too. Yeah. I I, I have a few specific memory, memories of when it came out. One of them is listening to Killers and Kings in my car because I had my, I had just like bought my first new car ever in my life. And I and I still have it, still drive it. It's great. It's awesome. Um, but it was very like, this is amazing. I, it was before the record dropped. It was just a single, and it was like I'm driving around in my car that has functional Bluetooth, <laughs> and I'm listening to a new Machine Head song. This is amazing. <laughs> I think I remember you telling me about this before. <laughs> it was a big deal for me. Yeah, yeah. It was a big deal. That's cool. That's cool. And Killers and Kings is an undeniable, I feel like it's an undeniably amazing song. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah, kind of similar to you. Like I got it and I like listened to it and I was like, this is a solid Machine Head record. This does a lot of things I like Machine Head to do. Cool. And and I, I kind of left it at that. And and I didn't I'm sure I listened to I probably listened to it like a lot, but it you know, again, I wasn't listening to a lot of metal either mm. at the time. I'm not sure exactly what I was listening to in fall of 2014, but whatever. Um and then what really made me turn the corner on this record was and really really give it a shot because it was one of those i've just always listened to once in a while like like it's one of those records like you i ended up like knowing a lot of it before i started to really appreciate the things that i really appreciate about it yeah um 
but it was it was actually seeing them on the Catharsis tour here in Houston at House of Blues, and I remember seeing a kid like up on the rail beside me, and it was the song um, "Now We Die," mm. and this song fucking meant something to him. And he was really, really into it. And it meant something to him the same way that the older songs meant something to me. The same like way. you saw that passion. Yes. There. Yeah. And, it, and it totally uh, made me open my mind to this record. And then when I went back and listened to it, and, and it was like all of a sudden, it was like, a, it was like seeing it with a new pair a, a through, through new lenses, you know? And I, I kind of think of like Slipknot's All Hope Is Gone similarly where, because I do not fucking like that record. Uh, that Slipknot record, All Hope Is Gone. I think there's some cool songs on it, and there's a cool sound, there's a cool vibe, whatever. There's 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 lots of good things about it. But cool things about it. As a record as a whole, it feels like an incoherent mess to me. Um, but it's undeniable when I go to Slipknot shows and I end up talking to people younger than me that that record is extremely important mm. because that's the record that brought them to Slipknot, and in a lot of cases, that was their entry. That like from there, they got into death metal and grindcore and all sorts. You know what I mean? Like it is a, it's their black album, in in so sure. many ways, and so that makes it really really special. And I, and I have to respect that, sure. Know? And I do, and it, and it makes those so- it makes me hear those songs differently when I listen to them. You know, and so mm. knowing that it found ears with kids that were a little young, with people that were a little younger than me, you know, that adds some some weight to me. Gotcha. Um, okay. Uh, let's see. All right. So some things I like about the record. Overall, there's a little more intensity to this record, which I like, I feel. There's a little more intensity in some of the vocal performances and in some of the musical performances, too. The vocals definitely, I think, is undeniable. Yeah. Like, it feels Almost like Almost to, in some places, to a fault. Yeah, I feel like he's shredding his vocal cords in some places. Yes. Like, sometimes to great effect, but sometimes, like, maybe tone it down a little bit. <laughs> right, 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 right. It's like, dude, you're, the melody and the lyrics are fine. <laughs> yeah. That's enough. Yeah, the song yeah, yeah. is good enough, yeah. right? Like it would still be, it would still be lovely if you were just singing it. And but it sounds like you're kind of gargling. <laughs> Looking at you, gra- damaged inside. <laughs> it's Looking like at you, damaged gargling inside. gravel over here. Sometimes, yeah. So, um, I get the, I get the intention. Yeah. If nothing else, right? It, the feel of it, and like the performances feel more organic to me than Locust does. Yeah. Um. Like, I love the solos on this record. They're a lot more fucking butt rock. They're, they are. And, and I fucking love them. <laughs> um, I think the drums sound better on the record. I think David's using like toms without bottom heads. So you get this really mm-hmm. like resonant kind of sound to it. You know, it's a very sort of specific tone. Uh-huh. I think he added like an eight inch tom. So you get like this the, every now and then you get this higher Tom voice, you know, he was really on his on his Peart shit <laughs> for this record. The Peartoning was not yet complete. So there was a five part uh, making of of this. Oh god damn! I on, didn't watch a single. Part. I didn't either. So it was on each part was like five to six minutes long. It wasn't like Got a super it. long thing. It's under it's under YouTube channel, but I just didn't watch it. Man, we we are bad journalists, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, listen, like I. 
listened to the album again. And I was like, I don't really know that I need to know that much more about it. <laughs> You're like, I'm, I know enough. I'm kind of okay for now. Okay, so not not that it's bad because one of the the overall note I have uh, about a lot of stuff on this album is like there are some really interesting sonic choices mm. all over this album. A uh, lot lot of dynamism and some fairly unmachine head things. Okay, uh, that they do, uh, some of which are very interesting, and some maybe don't work for me. So I I feel like. So from the blackening to locust, they sort of had their thing and they branched out a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I feel like they branched out even further in sort of all directions on this album. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes successfully and sometimes not. I feel my main criticism for this album is... Which, that's kind of that's kind of a cop out because that's like kind of an obvious thing to say. But no, no, no. Whatever. I, I hear what you're saying. Like yeah. because to me, like you can't make blackening and locusts forever. Exactly. That is an unsustainable model. That's exactly what I was gonna get at. Yeah. And I feel like on this album they get close to finding like what is the sustainable machine head model like what is the album that machine head can just can just keep making every few years that 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 i will be here for because to me this what this album feels like kind of is an an expansion of where they were going but also going back to like the first couple albums yeah in a lot of ways yeah 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 and to me it's a sweet spot on a lot of things to, to me the i don't My criticisms of this are really how it flows as an album. The flow on this definitely is trash. Yeah, to me, I, um, I agree. The I think it's too fucking long. It is absolutely too fucking long. And I think some of the songs are too long, just in and of themselves. I I don't know if I agree. I don't. Maybe, maybe if I picked them out, it would make more sense. I, that's a that's a bad thing to just blanket say because I don't think they're all too long. I but don't. There are I would. Probably, maybe I would probably disagree, but mm -hmm. I could probably also be convinced with some specifics. What yeah. I will say is, bad, I, bad journalist. <laughs> so, like the first one, two, three, four, five tracks are like pretty goddamn perfect. Um, now we die, killers and kings, ghosts will haunt my bones, night of long knives, sail into the black. Like that flow is really, really good. Mm -hmm. <sighs> Eyes of the Dead and Beneath the Silt are cool songs. They're good songs. I think maybe they should have been B-sides. In Comes the Flood is amazing. I think that song is awesome. It should have been the album closer. Mm. Damaged Inside is a great song. The chorus is cool. The performance in the verses is a little over the top. A lot of breath and a lot of vocal fry in there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it does lead into Game Over well. And I think Game Over is a really, really strong song. So I could, I can, I can let it, I can let it, you know, it's like, okay, cool. <sighs> Imaginal Cells, just trash can. Yeah, like, what do you put that thing in the trash can? What is that? <laughs> I th I thought it was like kind of okay and cool when it came out because I was fucking into the Rogan podcast and the fucking the guy that 
the audio book they're quoting from was a guest on there, and I thought he I thought he sounded smart and shit. Who was it? I, the name that's coming to my head is Bruce Lipton right now, but that might not be it at mm-hmm. all. Okay. Um, why is this booklet so thick? Because <laughs> <laughs> there's 17 fucking songs out here. Um. So. Because yeah, I, I didn't even know what imaginal cells was referring to. So yeah, when I hear it now, I'm like, that is goddamn. What did I write? What did I write? I'm gonna tell you exactly what I fucking said about it. Um, cool idea, but just way too much. I thought it was pretty cool when I first heard it. When I heard it the first time, but now it just galaxy brain word salad bullshit. Everything's connected. Blah blah blah. Here's a lot of word. Yeah, yeah. Bruce Lipton. It is Bruce Lipton. Okay. Um. You know, anyway, it's the kind of like thing that like makes you feel like you understand shit that you don't without doing a lot of work. Um, yeah, I thought it was weird that they just put so like because this this reminds me a lot of um, realize, realize, realize from burn my eyes, right? That yeah, but more, yeah, that's a good, that's a also maybe a better pool because but that one actually has a chorus because it's machine. Well, it's kind of like a real song in a weird way. It is. But this reminds me more of uh, Ashes of the, of the Wake. Oh, yeah, sure. Which is just that. Which is just voice clips over a song, over a musical bit. Right. But this is like so much talking. Yeah. That's, <laughs> There's that, that's so the much thing. of it. From front to back, it's just constant talking at different volume levels in different intonations and all this. Yeah. It just doesn't flow at all. It, it doesn't work for me. And then you like get through all that and you just get the song through the fire, which is a great song. It's a cool song, but it's not an album closer. No, it's not. So anyway, like that's, that's my big, my big energy hot take is that you, you could have pared this album down to like us. Like that's like my, my like proposed track order on it. And I feel like that would have been like just a chef's kiss fucking killer. That would feel a lot better. Like, Oh, that would absolutely. It's like, that's a great machine head record. Just keep making that one every four years (laughs) right off into the sunset, you know? Right. Um, so yeah, that, that's my main criticism for the album though, is it's just like, it's a little bloated. Yeah. And the the feel, I mean, and the flow of the record is is strange. Uh, yeah, to me, I don't think I don't think it flows very well. Yeah, the first the first five or six songs flow, but then it's then you just get then it's just like a new collection of singles, but 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 it but it's not because like anyway whatever. Yeah, I've I've I've, I've said my piece on it. Um, but. Some of the songs on here, I think, are absolutely fucking incredible. And I think the performances are great. I think the songwriting's great, you know. Um, so. I think there are absolutely a lot of parts of almost all of these songs that are fantastic. I don't, I don't know that I think any of the songs themselves are amazing. So. And I think, like I said, some of them, to me, just go on. They feel sort of meandering mm. at times to me. Um, although that said, like I, I don't have many criticisms of this album beyond just it's kind of bloated and it kind of. 
doesn't flow very like sort of like you already said. Right. Uh, I don't have many things bad to say about it. It just kind, it just kind of is okay, and in a way that's like more disappointing to me <laughs> than it just being outright shit. Well, then, then you might like catharsis. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be better in a different way. Maybe the experience of of listening to catharsis might be better. For yeah, you like like some of this album I just kind of felt. I was literally doing the thing where I just like looked at the playlist a few times. I was like, "Is this kind of um, where are we almost done?" Maybe. And right. it wasn't always bad. It was just like, because like yeah, you know, like you said, like Eyes of the Dead. I made a point to say that's a really fucking great song. In comes the flood. Great stuff going on in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a number of other ones as well. Um, the one that really surprises me that I like it as much as I do is Ghost is a Night of Long Knives. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I remember the first time I fucking heard it, I was like, "This is lame." That was my reaction. This is I'm, lame. The the one like overtly negative thing I have to say is like, "What the fuck is with this Charles Manson song? <laughs> what is this?" And so, but after, okay, so like a minute. This is what I wrote. A minute in, and there's so many things I like already. <laughs> The cool-ass intro, that, like, the way the phrasing of it is, it's, like, I still hear it in the wrong spot in the beginning of the song. Like, I hear the beat wrong hmm. because it it's a, it's like a, you know, um, they won't hear us calm. Like, it's supposed to, it's like, it's like a push. It's like on the and of four or whatever. Yeah. But it's so strong, you don't have a reference. And the drums are hitting with it, so it feels like it's the downbeat. And it's a really cool effect, right? Um. Where you just hear that thing, where you just hear shit the wrong way until yeah. until like everything comes in, you're like, oh god, there it is. Right, right, right. But you have that, and there's an actual blast beat that fucking happens, <laughs> which I'm fucking here for. Um, and then you have that like mid tempo fucking like super skank beat, you know. <sighs> you know, I love that shit. I'm a sucker for all that. I think this is a masterfully written song because that like. And they will see us come in the night with these knives. That's that's a fucking chorus, but it just becomes an intro and an outro and a and a transition. Because there's another chorus that's even better. <laughs> the real chorus, yeah. And and just like that kind of like density of good hooks and good parts that's tied together really well. That's that's fucking masterful songwriting to me and it's and and it's just it's so strange to me that or not strange but it kind of sticks out to me that like you know there's there's just such a density of cool shit mm-hmm. happening on that song and then where there's other songs that seem a little drawn out or there's others or like you know not all the other songs seem to live up to like that standard of density of riffs and hooks and parts and whatnot. Um, but it's also hard to fucking tell because there is a thing that happens once a record crosses that threshold and like to where it loses your attention. It's, it's really hard to not let that color the entire record. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because then, at that point, you're like, "What's gonna? What do you have to bring me back in?" Right, right. And whether or not anything after that is actually interesting, you've already sort of made that turn in your head. 
Right, 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 right. And so it's, you're right, yeah. And like just the flow of it, like they bring everything down for Salem to the Black. Then things go, then things bring, they go back up. Eyes of the Dead solid, but he's still solid. Then In Comes the Flood. In Comes the Flood always felt like, I always felt like the album was over. Yeah. After that song. And then you get Damage Inside, and it's like. It's like another low point. Right, and it's like, okay, that's like an outro. Almost yeah. like, that could be like an epilogue, like a closer for the album. Okay, I could see that. But then Game Over starts. And Game Over is a great song. But then you're back up. Right, but then yeah. you're back up. And then, like, Imaginal Cells is just, like, another drop. Yeah. But a really, really weird drop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And then you get, like, Take Me Through the Fire, which is, like, fine. It's fine. It's yeah. a great song. But if it was in the first half of the record before Sailing to the Black, I think you'd be like, well, that's awesome. <laughs> you know? But it ain't worth sitting through Imaginal Cells. <laughs> you know? I want my money back. Uh, Yeah. Um, I, uh, hmm. I was not interested in a lot of what was going on melodically on this album. Okay. I, I didn't feel like there was a lot going on melodically on this album. I think that's fair. Um, I think that's fair. And in fact, I, I guess it's, I guess it is a sort of, a. a, a negative note that I made, which is I, I feel like a lot of the songs on here are almost completely dependent on Rob's vocals or his intensity. Mm. Um, That's why I like it. I, I was going to say <laughs> that, that I can totally see why that works better for you than it does for me. I don't think it's a bad thing. Obviously, it's a preference. It's something that it's makes Machine Head Machine Head. Right, right, so, right, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, not Iron Maiden. <laughs> right. You know. uh, but they rely like solely on that and there's very little, at least interesting for me, going on musically. Yeah. Um, and I just kind of, I kind of kept coming across that in a lot of these songs. Not all of them, because they're like, there's some great shit in here for sure. Right. That absolutely makes sense to me. Uh, I guess like I would, I don't want to say challenge you, but I would, mm -hmm. I would like, I would uh, retort, or I, I would say like. I would be interested to hear if you felt differently about these songs if you listened to them in the in the play in like in the the fat trimmed version. Your playlist. You know. Right. Like if you ditch the if you ditch Yeah, I'd be interested in that. You yeah. know, and like if those songs seem to pop more. If you're like, you know what, man, fucking like Gus will haunt my bones has a thing to it. This is <laughs> this is pretty rad, you know? Yeah, yeah. Whenever you're not like you know, because like if you sit through a fucking three and a half hour movie and you're fucking exhausted, you like don't care. You're not like, well, man, but I but the, the first hour and a half was my favorite movie I've ever seen. That's not how you ever feel. You're like the whole thing. It colors your experience of the whole thing. Right. And I'm able to detach a little bit because I've just spent so much fucking time listening to the record. And I, and because I saw that kid, I saw that kid fucking like lose his shit to this. <laughs> and I was like, man, there's something there. Let me let me revisit it. You know. Um, right. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to like go through Track by track. Uh, I'm not going to do all that. Just, but. Gotcha. I, I, I think I made it pretty clear earlier. Like, but but the thing too is like the ones I said to cut, Eyes of the Dead and Beneath the Silt. I think those are great songs. I really do. I think they're really, really super solid, really, really great songs. Yeah. I just, this is, this is it. This is it. This is it. Okay. It's a great album with great songs, but there's something wonky about the flow. 
Mm-hmm. I think it could have been trimmed down to somewhere around 55 minutes easily. To me, if you put out a 70-minute record, it better be a goddamn statement. And while this is a great album, it isn't that. Yeah. Like. Yeah, I can get behind that. Like, you make me sit through 70 minutes, I better feel like a different person when I'm done. <laughs> Like it better um, take me on a journey that feels worthwhile. Yeah, and this, and this is album, not. This, this is a bunch of cool songs, but it ain't a journey. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, <clears throat> okay. I, I like. Oh, go ahead. Uh, the only other notes I had were like, again, just to reiterate, like it, it overall feels like they're putting out creative feelers in all directions, mm. uh, resulting in an unfocused album mm. in, in a lot of ways, uh, which isn't inherently a bad thing, but I just don't know that it works too well here. Yeah, it, it 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 it. There's great songs on here, um, and I I would even go so far as to say like this is this might even be like a great album, um. It just it just ain't it, the song it it ain't blackening or locust, <laughs> you know. And so few things are. Um, to me, the biggest again we've said it a thousand times. It's just too fucking long, yeah. you know. I would be totally content if this would have just been like like. I don't need another locust, right? Like, I don't, I don't. My final note here is like, I definitely give them credit for trying new things and exploring sort of outside their comfort zone from the last three albums. Um, especially when they could have tried to create another, a, a fourth album of like thrash epics like they had been doing. Right. But they didn't do that and they wanted to do something else. Right. And I, yeah, right. credit where it's due there for that. And I, I think, I think again, it's, it's sort of like you were saying with, locust earlier it comes down to preference yeah and and the stuff that they focus on here is not my preference sure so right 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 right. but there under, there's undeniably great stuff here yeah and like so. I, what i can say though is that to, to end on like a positive note with this record is that whenever i put this on like after listening to like locust for like a weekend i've been like yeah this this stuff is so good yeah this is so good this is this is great okay yeah oh man i remember that part so cool <laughs> and i like put this on and like for those first six tracks, like I'm like, fuck yeah, you know what I mean? Like I'm feeling it, you know. Like I feel the songs on here that I do feel, I feel them harder than I feel a lot of the stuff on Locust. Right on. You know, so I'm, I'm, I'm not like universally shitting on this record. Right, right, right. You know, not at all. It's just but there's something there that works, and the and when it works, dude. Oh my god. Oh yeah. god. Killers and Kings is a masterpiece. That song is so fucking good. It is a yeah. mid-tempo destroyer. Um, what I will say is, like, I am going to go back and listen to this album some more. Uh, yeah. Because, now, because now, this has reminded me, like, there there are things about it that did catch me, even the first few times I, I right. actually went into it. And there's like the, the thing that I do like about it is there's some nasty fucking grooves on this record, and you don't yes. get that as much on Locust. No, you definitely don't. It's uh, not that kind of album. Right. So, Which is fine. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't need it all to be the same, you know. That, like, that's one of the positives that I have towards this album is that it is a very different kind of thing that they had been doing for the past few albums, right? Because Ashes and Blackening and Locust are very similar in a lot of ways. They are. Um, they are. They, 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 the feel of them is all very similar, to me. right? So, and um, this album is not that, and that's not. that's kind of cool. Yeah, I agree. And it is funny though too. Neither Long Knives. Like, I saw an interview clip where like. Rob did not know that that was 
like referring to like the historical like the the phrase neither long knives like that's a specific that's referring to a specific historical incident in Nazi Germany I believe whenever um the Nazis m- murdered like the SS murdered a bunch of commanding officers or something like that okay um, I knew it had like a sort of uh uh not a not revolution, but like a yeah. My phone's about to die. G- 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 look up exactly what it is. Okay. Um. But so Rob, like, they asked him <laughs> in like an interview about it, and he was like, "Um, I've read a lot of books about Charles Manson, and I think one of them used that phrase. I always thought that's what it meant. <laughs> like he 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 was like he's like I wasn't trying to like be clever and connect the Manson murders to fucking Nazis." <laughs> A purge that took place in Nazi Germany in 1934 at Hitler's behest. Yeah, okay. That's basically what it was. It was basically a supplanting people in power with, yeah, people who committed that act. Yeah. Very, very, very broadly. Gotcha. Okay. I, so. I knew that it carried that connotation. I just never knew exactly what it was. Right. This so. is the thing that Rob has done <laughs> before, like with Bay of Pigs. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. I I wish I could remember. There's like some, like somewhere there's some text exchange between me and jet of where we, we basically (laughs) wrote out a skit of, of like a, a phone. And it was funnier before Dave and Phil left the band of like, of like them, like calling each other. And like, we, we like went through all these permutations of like historical events like the 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 short name for his certain historical event, and then like what Rob had written the song about, and like decided to call it that, you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like taking all their song titles that they have. No, 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 no. Like I, I making, I, up, making them new. Ones. Ma- yeah, like yeah, yeah, I yeah. don't, I don't, I can't think, I can't fuck for the life of me think like of an example now, you know. But like, I don't know, like. I can see how that would be a funny thing to do, though. It was great. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, dude, you, me, and Robert, we're gonna do this. <laughs> like, <laughs> Oh, my fuck. Uh, I'm down. Let's do it. Some shit like that. Well, we got to rewrite it. Um, <laughs> like, like, like that, like the my, like the Malay massacre is about like a, a shooting at a Chinese restaurant or some shit like that. Like, like, you know, that that's like, that's like the low hanging fruit version yeah. of it. Cause I just can't think of anything better right now. I got you. I got you. Um, <laughs> but like, like the idea that they were just like, dozens of these like just like right. do you know what he wants to do now <laughs> historical reference but getting it kind of wrong right right yeah. right 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 yeah um okay um something that i thought was interesting that i wanted to riff on uh i mean i don't know if it's that interesting so to speculate wildly again mm-hmm. how i think <clears throat> Okay, actually, so I'm gonna I'm gonna just because we got this far, I'm gonna riff on catharsis real quick. Yeah. Um, catharsis, brief thoughts. I'm not. This is not gonna be long. Um, brief, right there in the name. This is a hot mess of a disjoint record. Catharsis is a weird mix of songs that one are some of my favorites of their career. Two are fine. Um, that would have, that, that, that feel incomplete. Like this just isn't finished. Um, 
or songs that would have been better suited for a Rob solo project or songs that have accidental plagiarism? <laughs> you have a mixture so, of all of those things. So, so that's quite a gamut. It is a wild ride. Yeah. Um, and it is long. It's like an hour and a half, right? It's 74 fucking minutes. Okay. Okay. And those songs are short. A lot of those songs are like three and a half. Some of those songs are three and a half minutes. How many tracks? I'll, I don't know. Too many. It sounds like 25 or so. <laughs> it, it might be like 16. <laughs> okay. Um, the thing that I respect about the record and the reason I, is it, I really respected that in the press for it, Rob was like, this is, is like a lot of people aren't going to like this. Um, this is a, this is, this isn't, this isn't faster or heavier than the other stuff. This is, this is a groovier record. It felt like he knew what he had at some point. Yeah. And yeah, was yeah, like yeah. kind of okay with that and right. just wanted to do that. Right, right, right. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so, um, the, the songs on there that I like, I love every note of, and their songs, that I still um, okay okay yeah blah, 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 blah. there are songs that I love every note of and there are songs that I love most of but I'd take a certain thing out and then there are songs I only like a certain section of mm-hmm. it's such a mess um, note this is very important that album is not bad because Rob goes full SJW or any horse shit like that that's yeah. not what makes it bad yeah 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 um, just to be very very clear Definitely. the song that he's like specifically talking about fuck the alt right and all that that's my favorite song on the record Maybe my favorite. I think it's one of the best songs on the record. All right. Um, overall, the performances and feel of the record seem a little flat. Definitely feels like an over-engineered record. Not or, not organic like Blackening or even Bloodstone. Mm. It feels. I think they recorded like a few songs here and a few songs there instead of like rehearsing the whole thing, and then let's go in and execute this. Right. Positives. The songs that I love, I still listen to regularly. I liked the record a lot when it came out, and it stayed in my car for several months. I like that they were experimenting. Sometimes it worked. Sometimes it didn't. Um, I like the new metal and hip hop aspects they worked in because to me, it canonizes burning red and supercharger in a way <laughs> because it's like, Hey, those albums that like, <laughs> like, Hey, don't forget. We did that as well. <laughs> this is not a face. <laughs> um, <laughs> And you know, right. like it's it's like, nah, man, like we really love that shit too. Like this is this you was know. part of us at some point, right? Yeah. And and yeah, and yeah. it did, it did color my experience and how I viewed the album after Phil and Dave left. Mm. It, it changed the lens through which I because it was like, oh, this isn't really there. This wasn't really what they wanted. This is the record that Rob wanted, right? And so, so I'm going to speculate here a little wildly. It's a Let's good go. Place to end it. Why stop now? It's like how Adam's departure ultimately affected catharsis. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, so like I was talking about earlier, you know, like all bands have power dynamics. And that power dynamic is never... It is n- almost never like if you have four people, it's never like 25, 25, 25, 25. Sure. It's just never that. And so, what I imagine that the power dynamic before Adam left was, was something like Rob 35, 
Adam 25, Phil and Dave 20 and 20. You know, still Rob has most of the shares because he's the singer. He's the front man, writes, writes the majority, you know, the bulk, you know what I mean? And that's the thing. And it should be that way because Rob has to fucking put his heart and his fucking nuts out there. He needs a little more say because more is being asked of him to go out there and sing the way that he sings and emote and make himself vulnerable the way that he makes himself vulnerable. He, like, he is very much the front man, but also a guitarist in this band. Mm-hmm. He is not the typical, he is not your like stereotypical front man who just strums a couple of chords. Right. He is very much putting a lot into those riffs and those songs. Right. He's not, he's not a like, he's not a, um, he's not like a Justin Furstenfeld or like a Ed Kowalczyk, Blue oh, October. Okay. Or, or, I got you. You know, like, I wrote the songs. I wrote these chords. I, I I can play acoustic guitar well enough to to write the song with the chords and blah 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 blah. Right. He's like play- no man, he's shredded. He is soloing <laughs> to his full extent. He is like playing the same riffs, usually like a fifth off from what you know Phil is playing. While he's you know what I mean, like he's up there with Mustaine and Hetfield. Yeah, let's not be let's not be coy here like what rob does is fucking incredible yes (laughs) like he is an amazing musician yes all the way around absolutely underrated guitarist one thousand percent you know even even phil will say will say that in interviews like recent interviews like you know like he'll he'll talk about like how underrated rob is as a guitarist and phil was like quote unquote the lead guitarist yes in machine head yeah right so um yeah so rob should have a little more, right? Yeah. But I think what happened after Adam left, it was probably different right whenever he left because you have a new member and that's really exciting and all that sort of shit. But I imagine what it settled into sometime after the making of, after Bloodstone, is it probably settled into like Rob had 50% and then like Phil and Dave have 20 and 20 and then Jared has 10 like basically Rob absorbed I th- I'm speculating that Rob absorbed Adam's voting shares. He really unhinged his jaw and <laughs> consumed. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's like like Adam left the company and those shares didn't get distributed. Right? Like right. evenly. Like Rob took took most of them. He became the majority shareholder. Yeah. Right. Because no one who could who else can be trusted? Rob's now the only other OG. Yeah. No one else was there on Burma. It, it looked like fifty, but like fifty point one on <laughs> on paper. Yeah, I, I got you. And so then, because of that, you get like him. You know, maybe it's like coming from a place of like, okay, well, now it's on my shoulders to really to really drive this thing and to really make this work. I ha- I have to put in the extra work, and I can. You know, and like that sometimes that, like I said earlier, the power in a band often settles around the person who's taking on the most risk or doing the most work. But this is the thing if you're doing more work that someone, that the rest of the band didn't ask you to do, right? Yeah. And like, now uh, you want more power because you're doing shit that no one asked you to do. Well, look, man, I I got here and I set this up and I did this blah, 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 blah. We're going to do the songs my way, you know? Uh, Yeah, that's absolutely a thing that can, like, come out of a situation like that. I've seen that happen. 
Right. Because it, because like you said, at, at that point, Rob is like the longest tenured member of the band, and so at some on some level, he, it could it could come up that like, well, I know what Machine Head is, you know, right? Subconsciously or otherwise, like, right? That that can creep in there very easily, I think. Right. So and and I can just I it, it just it's like I that maybe it speculation the, the spe, again speculation and that that would make the drift make sense to me right 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 um and another weird thing that i've heard that i think starts somewhere around in this period is that because this is another thing they signed a nuclear blast maybe mm. there's some weird shit in the fucking record deal too of like rob being like like maybe maybe nuclear blast is like well we're signing rob flynn like like we're signing machine head as rob flynn Right, you know what I, I don't know. Huh. But was uh, at this point wasn't uh, Monty Connor there? He was, but maybe I don't. I, again, like I don't know. I'm like just maybe he. I'm just opening the door mm-hmm. to that. Maybe the new record deal with Nuclear Blast m- might have been might have had some weird factor in this too. Right, you know, because uh, yeah, I I could totally see that. I mean, different company, different. Different stipulations, different right. and it just contracts, dep- different rules. Well, and it depends on how Machine Head, as a legal entity, is organized. Sure. As well. Sure. Like, was, like, do they reorganize? Did they reorganize it when Dave joined? Did they reorganize it when Phil joined so that they're equal, all you know, for equal owners in that, like, you know, that business name? Yeah, right. Um, or did it, you know, or was it, like, Rob and Adam you know, and then Phil and Dave were paid as employees. I don't know, man. I don't know, man. There's so many different ways for all this shit to fucking work out. Right. Um, But what I thought was weird is like Rob didn't let anyone else do press. On Bloodstone. And like moving forward, like Phil couldn't go and do interviews and Dave couldn't go and do interviews and shit like that. Huh. There's I don't know all the exact details, but this is a thing I've heard said multiple times from like Phil post leaving the band. Yeah. And that is fucking wild to me. I can't I just can't I can't fathom the reasoning behind that. Yeah. Any scenario where that would make sense. Right. If if there were like um if there was a trust that there was, you know, a shared vision there. Cause the only thing I can possibly imagine is that out on, at some point Rob feels like only I can express what it is that we're doing. Right. Right. Um, at which point it, communication and or trust has broken down. So, right. There's, it's, there's something weird there. There's yeah. Something real weird there. I don't know what it that is. would be strange if that's, if that is the case. So, but anyway, I just wanted to, I, I did just wanted to give some brief thoughts on catharsis and and, and just to wild speculation. <laughs> just to be clear, I I have never listened to catharsis. I've just never gotten in. I've never tried. Uh, I maybe I can't remember now if you got into it and then told me about it and then it, that deterred me from it, uh, or if I just never felt the need it was it was it was weird listening because there 
it was really strange because there were aspects of it that I I really loved when it came out, and it really resonated with me, and I was amazed and really marveled and moved that this band could still like reach in and like speak for me mm. all these fucking decades <laughs> right you know and like all the you know like me as a young angry teenager listening to the more things change and then me as like a suicidal young adult just trying to make it to the next day right and then me as like uh you know in my late 20s like feeling and feeling like more empowered and more confident and trying you know and like making positive healthy decisions and then me as like a new father and somehow like this band could speak for me in all these different phases of my life it was really incredibly moving and powerful right you know and and so you know, I, the way I feel about catharsis is there was like a clip I saw of Mark Hamill, okay, talking about there were people filming uh, like that documentary, like The People versus George Lucas or something. Oh, yeah. And they like interviewed Mark Hamill. He's like, I could tell they were trying to bait me to like say bad things about George. And he's like, I have, he's like, of course I have problems with George, but I'm not going to take it out of the family. Like it's gonna it's gonna stay within the family you know it's like kind of was, was he said something to that effect yeah like that's not for y'all you know like that's not for you you know and because catharsis had got so much criticism um <laughs> you know like the first like three years that it's out i'm like no man it's a good record <laughs> <laughs> because the things that are bad about it are not the things that people that's 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 not what people were primarily complaining about or complaining like well and this is the thing maybe they were but they just weren't articulating it in the right way mm. right you know you, you'll you'll understand also i'm wrong because i did listen to whatever the first single was going to be before the album came out i don't even remember i don't remember Either. I don't remember what the single was. I listened to a song from this album. Yeah. Well, Definitely. and you heard it live. You've heard songs from it, and live, heard it live. That's true. When you've seen them live. So. That's true. I just didn't know it at the time, probably. Um, well, I guess if I didn't know the song, I could safe to say because <laughs> I know all their other shit. There's that one. <laughs> yeah. um, so uh, that's true. I thought that we would have time to talk about like live shows. Because <laughs> <laughs> I wrote down the like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, Ooh. eight, nine, the ten times I've seen Machine Head. Um, I guess I've seen it like five, maybe six. I don't remember. Yeah, I think you were there for like six of these. Yeah. One, here, I can tell you which ones you were there for. One, two, three, four. Um. Yeah, five. I think five. Five. That yeah. sounds right. So for every one you go to, I get two. <laughs> you um, have to get one more to. Oh, my phone just died. That's okay, perfect, I was waiting for that. To happen. Perfect timing. Nice. Um, so yeah, that's a yeah. We've seen them a lot. You've seen them a ton. Uh, yeah, it's every single time I've seen them, it's been fucking more than worth it. Oh yeah, yeah. I I don't I don't know that I have have it in me to talk about how how amazing they are live. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> because we're. Three hours and twenty minutes in, or so. Okay, yeah. but um, but 
but yeah, like I, <clears throat> I guess like, here's like one thing that's kind of a few things to stand out. One is when we saw them with like Trivium and Lamb of God and yeah. Gojira in 2007 and they're like playing before Trivium and they have like a 30 minute spot and their set list was, cause I wrote it down <laughs> aesthetic. Uh, they opened with, so this is before, this is like a full month. Okay. A full month, maybe five weeks before the blackening comes out. This is in February, 2007. <laughs> They open with aesthetics of hate. No, 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 I'm wrong. Clenching the fist. Clenching. They open with clenching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, then Imperium, then aesthetics of hate. <laughs> then <laughs> That old, already is like 30 minutes. <laughs> then <laughs> old, and they close with Davidian. Oh. Right? God damn. So half of the set is songs off of an album that will not be out. For five weeks. Yeah. I don't the remember. balls. <laughs> the confidence. Yeah. Like extremely long, complex, epic songs that no one has really ever heard. Open with you opened a 30 minute set with a 10 minute song that no one has ever heard. But they knew that the people who were there to see that, they knew that it would kill. Yeah. And it did. There was this, this was that was my that was my first Machine Head show, because for some I mean because that was that's what was so wild is like I wasn't going to a lot of smaller shows in the late nineties, um because like for whatever reason like my like because I was always having to like get my cousin to take me to the arena show, right I wasn't driving myself to the engine room yet, right, <clears throat> and then by the time that I was. I'm not really sure. I just, I just, no, they, cause they were writing supercharger. Like that's why. And then after supercharger came out, I think by the time that they toured, I had joined, um, the Michael Flores band and early 2002. So I didn't see too many concerts between 2002 and 2003. <clears throat> cause I was, you were playing. Like I was playing. I was, yeah. I was, I was playing like fucking, you know, 10, 10, 12 times a month. Right. Every month. <laughs> right. You know, so I missed a lot of like local shows or not in the local, but like small shows during that time period. So I missed, I missed when they, when they would have come through Houston on Supercharger and, mm. and I, and I would have missed, um, when they came through on Ashes, you know? So, so yeah, the first time I saw them was fucking, 10 years at, and to being a fan. Yeah. And, and it was that like, you know, and then, uh, another specific memory I have is when they played the Meridian on the blackening tour. So it would have been later that same year mm -hmm. in November. And I forget what they opened with. <clears throat> I think it was Imperium, but like Rob's mic wasn't working. <laughs> Do you remember this? Yes. Yeah. And he was just having to yell. And I don't know if I've ever seen a man that legitimately mad on stage. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> like he re- when it when it like became clear that the mic wasn't working, like he reached up and grabbed the mic stand, just like and, slammed like, it to the just, side. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think he like went over to like Phil's mic and finished the song or some shit or whatever, you know. But I can't remember at the time if we made reference to it, but now I'm like, Ruben. The hell are you doing, man? Dude, I was just thinking about that. I was just fucking thinking. <laughs> Ruben, the sound guy at the Meridian. I don't know if he would have been the sound guy at the time. At that time, yeah, 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 yeah. But like when we were playing there, he Ru- was Ruben Foster, metal sound god, yeah, Houston yeah. metal sound god. Oh. Um, Ruben, fix this shit. Uh, yeah, Rob's pissed. <laughs> <laughs> He's the guy. Ruben's the guy that got us into Crotch Duster. Yeah. yeah so yeah. Anyway, good guy, Ruben. Uh, but yeah, anyway, I, I could go on with more fucking crazy shit about like seeing machines. Anyway, we've seen them alive a lot. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it at some point. We'll get yeah. Jed on here. Cause like, we, that's what we should do actually. You yeah. know what I mean? Cause he's been there for a few of those. Cause most of those, he might've been there for, you know what? I think, I think it's, y'all probably have the same number, but it's just not the same one. <laughs> it's just staggered somehow. Yeah. 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 So he might have one more than you. Um, so. Good idea. Good idea. Needless to say, good shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Machine Head, super fucking important band. Uh, I am amazed that their logo hasn't ended up tattooed on my body yet. So they're one of the few bands that that'll, that'll probably happen. So, But I've been saying that for 20 years, so I don't know. So they so they came across this logo treatment with the blackening, and then they did this bullshit on under the locust. So I'm sorry. Say this that logo that they use on Bloodstone and Diamond, okay, is the same font that they used on the blackening. Okay, but so they did they found it on the blackening, and then on under the locust <laughs> they did this dumb shit <laughs> and this stupid big locust and this like weirdly like metal. This have, have cliched you, have, metal thing. Have you thing. seen the photos in here? N- no, I don't remember. Oh, Maybe. man. Uh, Either, this cover is dumb, though. Okay, I have seen this, and I forgot about it on purpose. That one's not so bad, but it is funny. Pretty bad. I, uh, <laughs> it's Rob spitting locusts out of his mouth. Yeah, and, like, Dave's, like, getting eaten. Yeah, I remember eaten. this. Uh, there's one of them that's, like, especially dopey. <laughs> Um, yeah, this one, this one with Adam. This is well, this is why he left the band. <laughs> this is it. This fucking press photo right here. He was like, I you gonna yeah. take my arms from like like this is yeah. How could you guys do that to me? Look at this Jesus Christ pose of Phil right there. What the fuck? Yeah. He's like, hey, hey, yeah, uh, hey, strapping buddy. Hey, what's up? Um, uh, this just feels like overly cliche metal. This the whole aesthetic of this album art, and it's it's bad. Well, and what's funny too, but well, anyway, actually, the album art and the aesthetic on Bloodstone is actually really nice. What I was gonna say was like they found that logo treatment with blackening. It was like a nice classy thing, and then they did this dumb shit for this <laughs> album, and then very noticeably from then on they went back they to that back. other one, yeah yeah, 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 which was like good, yeah. Somebody. Well, and it's like I don't have a lot of attachment or a memory of this of this um, artwork because there was like this weird. I don't either because it was fucking dumb. <laughs> there's a weird period um in the late 2000s whenever um the predominant way that i purchased and interacted with music was just through buying mp3s yeah 
and then putting them on my Zune. Mm, yeah, okay. And whatnot. So before streaming, but after CDs, right? Right. And so Locust was one of those albums. So like, I didn't have this actual physical copy until a few years ago. Really? Yeah. So I'd like never like the 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 artwork and the concept of it was always just this like blank space. Wow, because I. I have like very vivid memories of that album existing at that house in Kingwood where we were, but maybe it was just on Spotify. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, because I I okay. I didn't have it. I didn't buy a physical copy of it. Okay. So. Because I didn't either, and I've <laughs> this whole time I've thought, well, surely you did. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is a killer. We we didn't even talk about it, but um, machine fucking hit. Yeah, so this is a live record that is done during the Locust touring cycle, and it's awesome. Yeah, it's great. Check it out. There's the track selection is really cool. And then what else is nice is they did a, a little a live record, um, a little addendum thing with the catharsis, um, one of the catharsis bundles, and it's sort of in a lot of ways, includes the songs that aren't on this one. Okay. You know, because it's not a full set. Right. Right, it's not the full, like, evening with CD or whatever, but it sort of, like, supplements this one. You know, you kind of get the idea that that's what's going on. Right. Anyway, I think, that's, I think that's about it. A lot of machine head. Yeah. <laughs> Peace.